the atmosphere of all the Irish fans and it was just incredible to see those green jerseys walking around like really and truly Irish fans. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball Good morning to you. Welcome along to Wednesday morning's OTB AM, the sports breakfast show on Off The Ball. That music means only one thing. It's World Cup Day. It's the Republic of Ireland versus Canada. It's do or die. And we're all in our jerseys. Adrian Barry has made his return. Good morning, Adrian. Especially for the occasion. Good morning, Shane. Only for the day that's in it. And good morning, Colm. How are things? How you saying? How, How are, are you? How are you? Well? We're, uh, we're I missed you. Missed you yesterday afternoon. I did miss you yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually looks well. I was here, by the way. I was just... Just went home early to do a couple of interviews. You don't need to explain yourself, Shane. It's fine. It's like, Sorry, Jesus, it feels like a sort of a slightly yeah. weird conversation that you should be having off air. I, I love the I love the fact that the white is in the middle here. It, yeah, it worked out well, didn't it? It's the yeah. pick of the three. I'm not going to lie. It's the pick of the three. Nice jersey. Please. Explain the background, maybe behind the the jerseys. Well, uh, it's David Myers' jersey that he wore when he captained Ireland against Wales in Cardiff mm-hmm. on the 9th of October 2017. Which was, if everyone remembers, the night that James McLean rocketed in with his right foot, bottom right corner, oh, and yeah. it uh, got hard in the playoff mm. against Denmark for the 2018 World Cup, which was a disaster. But that night was the zenith of the previous era. Mm-hmm. So this jersey, uh, obviously here in studio there in the back behind the camera, and Miter was in here himself uh, a couple of years ago, left it here. So I texted him this morning, do you mind if I wear this? Was it not that John was in and because I was in contact with well, him around then and oh, I said, here, yeah, listen, have you any old thing that you might send us in? Expecting in. to know, as he was leaving, expected to ever hear from him again. These and about three days later, a package arrives in with boots and the jersey and oh. like he had been through uh, been through the garage to pick out the best stuff. There's Is that not boots. how it happened? For people who are just listening, I also have the boots that David Miter wore. You were about to name them there night. and then you find yourself sort of out of your depth. No, it? no, I just uh, only have one boot so I didn't know to yeah, they still, boot is it? They're steel, yes. they're a hybrid of steel and... Uh, rugby boot, aren't they? They are a bit of like a rugby boot. Mike, they're, yeah, they're like a rugby boot. Mm. Um, and, and of course, like well, the background to the jersey being that yourself and as you've you've said occasionally on the show, yourself and David Miter were best friends uh, growing up. <laughs> yeah, we, we grew up together and uh, in the same estate. We say park in Cork. Do you say park in Monaghan? As, as, as a housing estate, we we call it the park. A, a housing park? Yeah, we say like what park? Housing estate in Monaghan. What park? It's <laughs> 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 like what park? Most estates. No, we call it, we call it housing estate. I think yeah. it's Cork thing, yeah. So anyway, we grew up in the same... <laughs> we call uh, it housing estate. <laughs> we call it housing estate, housing estate. We yeah. grew up in the uh, mm. same estate. So we play football together, yeah. Similar, similar age? Yeah. Few months. Oh, should the oh that's it. Part, yeah. Best buds. Yeah. Right. And, you fill uh, out the, is, is he, what sort of size is he compared to you? <laughs> you would you be similar? Because uh, I would have had him as a much bigger he's, gentleman. He'd be taller. Yeah, but he's probably slightly bigger. But he, was, he, he fills he, the jersey out well, doesn't he? Like he's, you see, there's the, there's the advantage. Well, it's a long time since, like. So I've obviously gone for an Apologies, Kev. I haven't texted Kevin Gaban, unlike yourself. I haven't uh, asked for permission to wear this. But yeah, as you'll see, Kevin Gabbard. Text him to ask him. Yeah, I told you that a second ago. Go on, sorry. Era versus France, 14th of November 09. I think that's the difference in eight years, even in international jerseys. The sizes were, this is this is more of a. That's a bad one. Even the players looked kind of baggy wearing it. Mm. Yeah, I just. Well, we, Cabana I, was like that sort of Lee Sharp sort of loose yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It anyway. worked on Kev. I, uh, I, I hate that colour green. I wasn't mad about that jersey. But it's, uh, it's good to wear it. It's poignant to wear it because Kev's on the show today. It's not a nice jersey. Uh, it's not a nice jersey, no. No, I don't think so. No, no. The collar is weird. 
it's over just, time. The passage of time has made me like it a little together. bit more. And uh, Shane asked us beforehand, who does this jersey remind you of? Or was it, sorry, was it yourself? Mm. And I said, uh, Stephen Ireland in his six caps. I think that, that was the jersey he wore. Let us know in the comments, the YouTube comments, like aside from the number three, obviously, which is a... Clinton, probably, so, actually. Uh, who does the jersey remind you of? Is Clinton Morrison? Yeah. said Andy O'Brien, but Andy O'Brien is maybe a, a, oh, that previous, was a, one. a previous one. It was a weird one. Uh, and I'm going for the John Giles look, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. A John Giles OG. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are stuff. Those jerseys. Nice jersey, yeah. Exciting stuff, lads, because if we draw against Canada, it's not the end of the world, potentially, but a defeat is a disaster. We need to play for a win. Today, the last time we can hype. Oh, yeah, do, we need do, to win. Do, do we need to play for a win? That is actually that is the question of the day. Well, look, we'll be with Kathleen in a few minutes from Perth, and Kathleen was talking about the World Cup show with Sinead O'Carroll and Willow Callaghan yesterday about the the likelihood and their predictions. And I think Kathleen, not to speak on her behalf too much, is hoping for a two-one, but mm. is a bit more. Uh, Where are we going to get two goals from? Not set to pieces. Be, not well, to be pessimistic. Set, set pieces. Look, like. It we took, always it say took, that it took 70 minutes for us to get our first corner against Australia and I think we ended up with a half a dozen and two of those corners nearly went directly in so McCabe and Connolly's delivery fantastic so two, two of those six could have easily gone in you have to remember balls. the quality of opposition you're playing against as well but, yeah, I, but I they're do, the same I, they're defensively minded I do think well. that an expectation the your desire for us to go and sort of score a few goals and to go gung-ho to win the game versus Vera Powell's, um you know Approach. They're going to be different things. Like we've been watching the team for long enough now to know that she's never going to go throw caution to the wind here. In uh, she no. didn't. She didn't throw caution to the wind uh, in the opening game against Australia when a lot of people were saying should we get Amber Barrett on? Like mm. possibly even that she's looking at the goal difference. Going actually one nil is not the end of the world here. If we hold on to this, two nil could see us out. One nil in the end yeah. actually might see us through. So I wouldn't be expecting her to go gung ho for this. Like, and I don't think I think a draw is not a bad result. A draw is a very good result. Uh, draw on a, a, a very good result today. And then Australia win by two goals against our, against Nigeria tomorrow. If like Preferably. let's let, let's let's get Australia to go and blitz the group and run walk through as group uh, winners. And then uh, do us a favour against Canada in the last game. Mm. And then if we can manage a draw today, and then we end up in a position where we have to beat Nigeria in the last round of games uh, to go through. And I think that's an ideal scenario. I take that. I take that. If you're offering me that now in five hours' time, mm. I'd take it. I'm more nervous for this game than I was for the opening game. The opening game felt like an event. It was an event. Yeah, definitely. This more. This feels like a tournament, like a, a football match that has. Actual jeopardy. I think I think you're right. Even though it's only these six days ago, it's kind of a memory already. Like yeah. you were Shane, you were covering the All Ireland hurling final build up mm. for us, and you were uh, in the Quaid household, weren't you? <laughs> it was in the and day, watched yeah. it there. Like that's an amazing memory, like in Limerick to watch the game there, <laughs> and random, then, very random. and then present the show the next day, like you know, talking about it. So, mm. um, no, like last Thursday really felt like something, and like Kathleen gave this amazing rousing speech. Mm. Just outside Stadium Australia, like, and it was, it was just incredible. But it was that good, wow, um, wow, wow. <laughs> and it was, it was really like, uh, like it was one of those days where it's like genuinely a privilege, you know, to actually be on air and talk about it. Mm. Whereas, you're, you're, I think I agree with you completely. Today feels way more like a football match, you no? Know? Like it's just like yeah. this is a, this is jeopardy here. Like you know, I, we need to get I, I also done. think that's partly because we've shown now that we can live with that. You know, like mm-hmm. we weren't blitzed out of it. We were possibly unfortunate in some regards not to get a draw out of it. Yeah. I don't think there's too many people saying we should have won the game, but like we are happy in this company. Mm. Like there's a breath now. We're okay. 
and it's a it's a twenty and a half thousand seater stadium as opposed to eighty. Like yeah. it's going to be majority Irish fans as opposed to Canadian. Like there are a couple of things away from the football playing into our hands. Totally. Obviously, the, the the injury concerns to to Louise Quinn and Heather Payne. Yeah, we'll Payne's see. a big one, isn't it? Because um, who's going to play on the right side if Payne doesn't? And that that could mean a cabinet reshuffle, like you know, and yeah. and also like is the big question is Abby Larkin going to start and Marissa Shiva not? Mm. Um, but also on the other side, like going back to this pure football aspect of it, like Canada are going to have Jesse Fleming back, yeah, the creator. Um, Chelsea wonder and that could be a big problem but like Canada are seventh in the world reigning Olympic champions their defence like a star studded in terms of the clubs that they represent mm. versus the Irish contingent but it's all is not well in Canada like the federation's approach to the team yeah. is woeful Kev again goes into detail about it later on and there is a chance here like yeah. you know there is really a chance a bit like last week when Sam Kerr was ruled out through the calf injury mm. there was a chance there and we nearly got a point and it's not like Canada are complete world beaters here. And that's, I suppose, why the real nerves are there and the trepidation is that there's no reason why Ireland couldn't get a result here. The thing with Canada is you could argue that they're a higher octane version of this Irish setup. Mm. So defensively minded, very, very solid, hard to break down. Don't score an awful lot of goals themselves, which yeah. is stats show for the last number of games. So are they just a better version of Ireland? That's the question. I'm almost concerned because Canada were unimpressive in the first game. Like, surely a team of that calibre can't, yeah, can't do it twice in a row. Maybe it does happen. Maybe well, Canada are just off at the moment. But they, you know, I think we were talking about yesterday. It's like the the French men's team in twenty ten World Cup, where they had a lot of talent, but all was not yeah. well. There was disharmony in the group. World Cups so where where you better. make a bad start, like it is. It's not unknown that teams grow into it, but at the same time, like it's not like even like something like a Six Nations or like a Tournament yeah. bit of time between. Yeah. Like they're pretty bloody quick succession. And if there's any doubts, start creeping to the camp about where you're going. Now, in fairness, Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in the Men's World yeah. Cup last November in the first game, and then um, yeah, yeah. happened. But I don't think Canada are in that league of no. that Argentina side, you know. So mm. I like that's why I think there's a lot of fear of it. What, like, what do you think is going to happen today, results-wise? I'm almost I dare going, to even think about it. I'm going with my heart today. Whereas I was going with the head very much in advance of the Australian game. I was very negative before the Australian game. Mm. Today, I think, I think we can nick a one 0 win. Don't like Gianni Infantino there. I thought you were going to. I think that's. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's an emotional call. Possibly, well, possibly you is. Know, like, like on paper, you'd have to say that the likelihood is that you know we're not going to get anything out of this game. But like I said, I think that that has slightly gone out the window a little bit just in the evidence of the first game. Mm. I think we can, I think, like, I think the players are increasingly acutely aware of our inability of scoring goals, right? Yeah. And you're not saying that for a second that, like, you know, they need reminding the fact that is it one goal in five of the last six games, whatever it is. <laughs> they'll need no reminder of that. Yeah, and it's not like they don't have a desire to score the goals. Mm. But I do think that, like, I think there's a possibility we can, we can nick something today. I'm going to go for one all. One all, yeah. You see, but and I take that. Well, you certainly. You t- I take your arm off for one all. One all in Canada's last thirteen meetings with European teams, they haven't scored more than once. That's all I'm saying. That's like uh, what the stand <laughs> used to say. We don't play well in May or whatever it was. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ah, look at. I don't know. It's not. It's not. Sally Marsh had hadn't scored in March. There's no. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was the set. Um, there's no real reference point here. Like the only meeting of these two sides is in the 2014 Cyprus Cup, right? So, oh yeah. So we, if you remember it, so yep. it's uh, it's very hard to judge. Like, but like, there's. I don't think there's too much to fear from Canada. Yeah. Now you have Christine Sinclair who's trying to break the record of uh, scoring in the most number of World Cups in a row six 
six World Cups like I know the Brazilian exactly. Marta as well is also trying to get that in this tournament I say yes, 324 caps she's got for Canada. 190 goals 90 goals she missed the penalty against Nigeria but uh, as Kathleen's saying the, no guarantee that she starts even especially yeah. with Fleming back you know because they could get in each other's way and they didn't also score. because like Sinclair's 40 years old yeah uh, aside from the fact that Fleming's come back in they didn't score against Nigeria and we have yeah. a tight defence what do we feel on that note about Vera Powell yesterday saying that like uh, oh, listen they're you know they're good players but they're not the quickest defence like but Canada about Ireland oh, about Ireland yeah 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 that was um, I, 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 think that was, say, I think that was justification that's just of reality solution, right it wasn't a defence mechanism I, I, true I, you're absolutely right but could you not could you is there another way to I, I felt it was a bit clumsy do you, do you think she's well clumsy or too candid for public consumption, both probably. I mean, it's it's re it's reality. Everybody's yeah, yeah. acutely aware of it. Do you need to repeat it in front of the media? I'd say she says it in front of the players at training. Pro- so I probably not, I, I, fastest defence. I wouldn't have an issue with that. Yeah, but saying it in front of the media felt a bit trap esque. Mm, maybe you know, like everybody's aware that look, managers will paint their own reality yeah. to make themselves look as good as they possibly can, right? And they'll be delivering subtle messages all over the place in press conferences and whatever else that's just the way it goes post-match interviews mm. but I just think something is could be mind games felt felt to me a bit clumsy could be mind games Adrian but it's true oh it's definitely true you know. it's definitely there's no there's no doubt that the, the lack of pace at the back is, 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 a, is a bit of a concern a few of the comments coming in on the YouTube of course starting off with the, the jerseys Terry Kelly says morning lads love the shirts think Cullum's shirt is the one of the nicest ever Ooh. Steve McCarthy says Adrian wins the jersey war Cahill Doherty, I like Adrian's jersey as it is the same age as Cullum. I don't think so. I would say it's slightly Probably older. Ah, 10 years it's older Giles, it's Giles, Giles. Yeah. Cahill, come on. <laughs> we haven't put your glasses on this morning. Cahill yeah. or Cahill? <laughs> Cahill Doherty, let us know in the comments, are you Cahill or Cahill? Well, one thing we can be sure of, he'll be Cahill. He'll be... Well, not established this before that the name is actually Cahill. You're Cahill Doherty, I, I, I do know... Unless you come from the... Cahill Doherty and Monaghan, who's, who's from Donegal. And I think he... Agree with me that it's Cahill Doherty. Well, unless you're from Ulster, I would say you're you're Cahill. Unless, okay, that's the cut-off point. I would, I, that Fair. would be my... Hey, do you know it's what? fine. On that, speaking mm-hmm. of Donegal, in the Cahill, former yeah. colleague, used to say Meath. Meath? Yeah, no, I... I that's I, mental. I, I, that would be an Ulster thing, is no, it? No, it's not. No, no, no. It's no. in the same way that, that, that Mexicans like ourselves say uh, Tyrone. Yeah, but that's that's outrageous. Do you say Tyrone or Tyrone? It's, it's Tron. It's Tron, yeah. Like... I, I know that Tyrone people go they don't they just do just it's C-H-R-O-N-E yeah Tyrone yeah. it's Tyrone if you're from there but Meath no I'd never say Meath it's, very, it's a very very soft T-H like where, is, also he, where is he going with Meath I, I, I'm not sure everyone in Donegal does that I'll ask Lachlan Harris yeah, we'll, we'll find out we'll find out uh, Carl Daly says 10pm kickoff here in Sydney on a school night too so, so that'll be what 8pm local time in Perth mm-hmm. kickoff 1pm Irish time for the kickoff for that game uh, John Buckley bringing us back down to earth. Ireland never looked like scoring against Australia. Um, no, I I, I agree with it for large parts, but right at the end, yeah, McCabe has that chance. Yeah, Do you know when it go, she has to put it onto her, shift it onto her right foot. Louise Quinn's glancing header. Also, when McCabe puts um, Kira Crusa through in the first half after twenty minutes, if Crusa reads that ball better, she's through. Oh. But look, largely, yeah, we didn't create enough. Chance. But also the quality of opposition. So come on, like it's not uh, like yeah. you're. Well, I know, but we didn't proactively do enough. I, I, I don't think, and I, I do think McCabe has wasted that deep. Personally, uh, there would have been a very if that if we hadn't clumsily given away a penalty, we wouldn't be that worried about not been gung ho in our approach. I still think it's a bit disappointing. Uh, Rubber Ducky makes a good point. Uh, he says everybody involved are adults. The team don't need to be mollycoddled. Facts are facts. If you're slow, you're slow. 
I think that's fair. Well, are, are also is Vera Pau so confident that she's like, I don't mind saying this to I her think opponents. In, I, I think in the middle of a World Cup, I, as I said, I'm not disputing the veracity of what she's saying. It's true. But I just think in the middle of a World Cup, there's a subtlety to your language. Are the players looking at that going, oh, that's great. Thanks, Vera. That's, that's I don't think the players care. I think the players are looking at that going, Jesus, would you do us a favour? Like, you know, like, I know she's also complimenting them by saying they're very good players. Uh, and as I said, the pace thing is obvious. Yeah. Uh, it's been there for long enough. We're all aware of it. But um, just think there's another way of saying it. Uh, plenty of comments coming in. Evan Morahan, good friend of mine from uh, from Monaghan, is watching in from, I think, Sydney Evan well. Morahan from Monaghan. He's actually from Monaghan. His father's from Lewisburg and Mayo, so that's where the, the yeah. name comes in. Uh, shout out to you, Evan, and all the lads watching in Australia ahead of the game uh, tonight, I guess, where the lads are. Um, that's 10pm kickoff in Sydney. Yeah, I guess that's that's difficult for, for fans over there uh, Michael says I'm enjoying the World Cup so far standard is good so Ireland face a challenge wish them all the best today uh, everyone's wondering where who's your daddy went and enjoyed his holliers hmm. there's a few of those comments to that effect of course Jerry came back last week and uh, bronzed god bronzed Adonis bronzed Adonis oh, yeah. and I'm just an Adonis is that what you're well, saying yeah. <laughs> freckled Adonis you yeah. don't need it uh, no, no, I need to wear a factor 50. And also, I, where I was in France, I was, uh, I'd, our former colleague, now producer of the Pat Kenny Show, Sue Murphy, who popped her head around uh, the corner earlier on yeah. to uh, welcome me back and give me a dig in the ribs, um, was onto me saying, oh, could you come on and talk about the oppressive heat in Europe? And uh, it was overcast and 20, 25 degrees mostly, so. Mm, fair. I tell you where you won't get a colour. At the moment, I know where you're going to go. Oh, the producer always does the segue. When the presenter won't do it, the producer will do it. Uh, Kathleen McNamee, live from Perth. Good morning, good afternoon. Afternoon, guys. Yeah, I thought my arm was about to fall off there listening to you chat about different things. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely lashing rain in Perth at the moment. I don't know if you can see it. I'm just at the fan festival uh, behind me. We have a game ongoing. Lots of Irish fans here, actually. I think I've only seen about three or four Canadian jerseys. A couple of Canadian fans have walked in and then just walked straight out again. <laughs> uh, so it's safe to say the Irish are definitely taking over part at the moment. Is the rain a good thing for us? I'm going to try and stretch it to that. Uh, probably suit us better. Could lead to like, a game that was a little bit more all over the shop, which may not be a bad thing. Um it's not a good thing for me because I have to sit in it for two hours. But yeah, I think it's supposed to stop by the time the game stops this evening. The pitch was covered over for most of yesterday, so I assume it's the same today um, to protect it from the rain. So I actually don't think it's going to make that mad of a difference. It's been absolutely lashing all morning here. Sorry, temperature-wise, did you say, is it is it cool? You said it was cool yesterday. Yeah, it's cold. It's like a kind of classic Irish summer day here at the moment, except it's the middle of the winter for Australia. Mm. <laughs> Uh, has Perth uh, livened up a touch or has it still uh, I guess close to the kickoff you're ex- you expect it to liven up a little bit a little bit like I'm at the fan festival now so obviously you're talking to people who are actually here because of the match so there's definitely a bit more of an atmosphere um, I was in an Irish bar last night and there was a good atmosphere around the place but also a lot of people who didn't even know the World Cup was happening so of all the cities I've been to I feel like Perth maybe hasn't fully caught up with the World Cup vibe um, we were talking to some Perth Glory fans who were saying though, that the stadium here is actually a really, really good uh, football stadium. It's quite small. And because of that, it means that the crowds that they get are generally only eight or 9,000 for their A-League games over here. So a lot of the local fans actually bought tickets because they just want to see what the stadium is like full and what the atmosphere will be like with the Irish fans. Mm-hmm. So it uh, should be good crack later. I'm also making my Australian t- TV debut later on. Oh. I'm going to be on the World Cup coverage right here. So yeah. 
I might not come back, lads. I might just stay with you. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hand in your notice on air? This is unprecedented. Well, this is, this yeah. is what's happened. Um, <laughs> Kathleen, I was listening to you on the World Cup show yesterday, uh, which NATO Carol and Will O'Callaghan, you were hoping for a 2-1 win against Canada, but you're a bit more pessimistic now that you've slept on it. Anything changed? Uh, I mean, in my heart, I would love a 2-1 win, but I don't think it's going to be that. I think they'll probably be 2-1 to Canada. Um, I just don't know where the goals are going to come from. That's the thing. Like, if we... Well, we know we have a proven goal scorer on the bench, but we we had a proven goal scorer that we knew we were going to play. I think things would be a little bit different. Uh, but I think with the way the weather is at the moment and the conditions that there probably will be, it's going to be difficult either way to get that goal. And uh, that's I've actually upgraded my World Cup hopes of us getting out of the group to us actually scoring a goal at some stage. I was listening to you talk before, and I think it was someone wrote in to say Ireland didn't look like scoring a goal at any stage against Australia. I don't think that's fair or true. I think the last like 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. between the McCabe chance and the Quinn chance, we did look like scoring a goal. But I will totally accept that for the rest of the game, we didn't look like scoring all that much. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. Is there a chance, Kathleen, that like uh, some of the suggestions this morning, I'm looking at the sun here in front of me saying that Abby Larkin will start today. Is there a chance that Amber Barrett goes through the group stages here without seeing a minute's play? Yeah, I was actually just talking to a couple of the lads here that work for the PFA and they were saying something similar, that they actually don't reckon that uh, Amber is going to get any minutes, which doesn't make any sense at all. But like we had said this, from the minute the team was picked, we were like, we're stressing over this 23, even though we know realistically Vera is probably only going to play between 13 and 15 players throughout the entire tournament. I don't think she's the sort that's going to just like give players minutes either, just for the sake of it so it's disappointing because I think like especially in a game like today if it's 20 minutes from the end we haven't scored we need a goal why not put on Amber Barrett like we need a result tonight and we don't really want to be going into the final game depending on other teams to get a result to make sure that we go through so I'm all for putting her on uh, but I will see what Vera does I'm not that optimistic about her yeah I, I agree I think like like as you say Vera is not someone to give a cap to someone just for the sake of it but I think if there's 20 minutes left 15 minutes left and under a goal down the whole country will be screaming at the TV saying this isn't an Amber Barrett cap for the sake of it this is an Amber Barrett cap because we need a bloody yeah. goal like so I, I I don't know like Vera probably if we lose each of these games in the group by a goal or we draw one of the games and we end up not qualifying like Vera Power is going to be under serious heat for not bringing on Amber Barrett I would, I'd imagine I think so. And I think like she has proven herself in the sense that, you know, after not playing for those six months after that big night in Scotland and Hamden Park and then coming on for those warm up games and performing the way she did and showing once again that when she puts her mind to it, she can score goals. I mean, she scored one of her only goals from open play in the last like year. Well, actually, two of her only open goals from open play in the last year or so. So it's kind of frustrating as to why she's not getting that chance all that much. I mean, Vera's been very coy on it whenever she has been asked and said that it's tactical reasoning. And I mean, we all know that she likes her players to be runners and she likes them being able to... um, Sorry, I got distracted by the match that's going on in the background for me there. I thought it was a goal. Uh, We know that she likes those like athletic style players, but Amber has proven that she works well in getting us a goal. So why not give her that shot? Um, Kathleen, the um, referee's decision after checks now is being heard by the whole stadium, uh, which is something I haven't seen before. And it, it's ve- it's a very good TV product for the viewer. But does it translate to actually being in the stadium? 
not massively from what I've, I've seen. Uh, generally, it's kind of a bit muffled and hard to make out. So you're kind of relying on the information that you're getting through online rather than what you're actually hearing in the stadium. But as you say, it's a good TV product. And I think there's some things that they still need to work out a little bit with it. But I think if they keep developing it, they'll be a really, really good addition. You'd wonder, like, there's comments of uh, modicums of positivity coming in. A lot of people on the Amber Barrett stuff as well. Ashing Enright says, crazy if Barrett doesn't get time on the pitch. Shane says, nil all draw. Just hope we don't have Louise Quinn playing the Shane Duffy role again while Amber Barrett remains on the bench. That's the thing it, as well. It won't be crazy that she doesn't get a minute if we end up winning the game 1-0. Yeah, right? look. Like, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. with the Amber. I, I was certainly one of the people looking at the game the last day going, bloody hell, give her a chance. But... Uh, Let's see what happens today. Yeah, well, it was interesting yesterday because Pierre Caruso was actually asked yesterday by one of the journalists, how would you feel if Louise Quinn took your position? Because obviously she was moved up the pitch for those final few minutes um, in Sydney. And Pierre kind of laughed it off a little bit, but then was like, in all seriousness, we know as a team that Louise is the sort of player who can get goals in these punch moments with her head in that way. So... It's kind of funny that even the team have low-key accepted that that's the only way we are going to get gold when <laughs> in reality you would think that, you know, there is a lot of other possibilities. I mean, it's like we were going into the team at halftime and telling them that the game is going to be decided by either an Australian mistake or an Ireland mistake. Like, when a game is that much in the balance, why aren't you saying to the team, you know, this is a great opportunity to make, you know, a little bit of history for ourselves. It's all in the balance. Let's go for it don't be putting it in their heads they're going to make a mistake so I feel like everyone has been listening to Vera for a long time and maybe some of the messages are starting to kick in in a way that they shouldn't and that it's a, a negative way of looking at the games and the negative style of playing I think which is always a bigger thing but we're at a World Cup like let's I, try something at the end of the yeah, day <laughs> I kind of tend to agree like the that that thing of waiting you know even if you're going to win, go and win this game it's going to be an Australian mistake that's quite reactive like go and do it do you know, yeah. I don't like to hear things in a halftime team talk. This is going to be decided by either a mistake by us or a mistake by Australia because that means we can't just go out and win the game. But, uh, yeah, like I've talked to so many players since then, and they've all said the exact same thing. They're like, the minute your coach says that, you have in your head about making a mistake. That's and like whether you try to or not, it's subconsciously there. So like, I I, I don't understand practically what she was doing. I mean, a lot of us weren't even at that press conference because we were at the mix zone after the game. But uh, I wish more of us had been so you could kind of properly quiz her on what she was talking about. Kathleen, I'm interested in your, just when well, you were talking a bit about sort of sleepy Perth there, right? And like 76,000 at the opener against Australia, the buzz, the hype, like full on Broadway, right? And there is a bit of a, and I was mm. looking at some of the numbers that FIFA have put out about the, the domestic audience for the game off the charts. Like it was very much centre of the universe at that time. Uh, it's a World Cup, but there is a bit of an off Broadway feel about this and you're going to a ground is it 25,000 is it just over 20,000 at the game today yeah. uh, is there is there a bit of a I'm not saying it's come down it's a World Cup it's off the charts right in that regard but like it's not yeah. the glitz of the first game so is there something in that for the players to have to manage themselves almost I don't even know if it's so much that sorry people are just leaving now because the game is finished all off for a few points or something I imagine Um I think it's probably more actually the time between the games rather than how long uh, or how like in Perth today. Like I was chatting to Rihanna Jarrett earlier and she was saying she was at the team hotel this morning and that the team just want to play this game. It's been such a long time 
since last week and like there was obviously massive build up to like you were saying and then the fact it's an eight o'clock kickoff as well he said that the players are just like let us just get out onto the pitch I think like for them because they were in Brisbane and then over to Perth it's quite oh sorry about that Chris uh sorry Paul started coming in which sent me off and because it was in Brisbane first and then they came over to Perth. I think they've kind of had that time in the busier city and I imagine the downtime hasn't been the worst thing in the world. Uh, I, like you walk around Perth and there's still like Irish jerseys to be seen and probably for them, maybe a little bit more anonymity than they would have had in Sydney. You know, they're being stopped anytime they left their hotel in Sydney for autographs and stuff. So not necessarily a bad thing having a little bit of more chill time here before heading back to Brisbane. What's the um, Canadian outlook towards Ireland? Bev Priestman was saying yesterday, a um, lot of respect for Ireland. They work hard and all that. But she said, I hope our quality shines through. It, do they feel like Ireland aren't much of a footballing threat? Yeah, I think so. Like There was a bit of consternation yesterday after Bev Priestman's comments and she kind of rolled them back a bit when she was like, oh, Ireland are all passion and heart, but basically Canada are quality. Um, we had Carmelina Moscato on the Coigig podcast yesterday, which like all of all users can get wherever they normally get their podcasts. And she used to play for Canada, was in three World Cups, you know, won a CONCACAF title, Olympic bronze medal. And she was saying that this team was like really, really disappointed with that result against Nigeria. And because of all the ongoing stuff with their federation back home, they really, really want to get a result. And uh, they've obviously targeted the likes of Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, and they think they're going to be able to nullify them. Um, and they're going to have Jesse Fleming back as well for this match, which is absolutely massive for them. Like It's the equivalent of us not having Katie or Denise for the first game and then coming back for the second game. So yeah, they're feeling quietly confident. One of the battles they were saying that they're looking forward to is Katie and Ashley Lawrence. Ashley Lawrence just signed for Chelsea before the World Cup and is a really, really good player. Normally plays on the opposite wing to Katie, but they reckon that Bev Friesman might switch her over to kind of take her out a little bit. Jesus, I'm, I, I've got the appetite whetted now. It's, uh, it, it's a build-up nicely. Uh, Kathleen, listen, <laughs> enjoy the game and uh, no doubt people can, can uh, keep up to date on, on the Off The Ball social channels and your own Twitter as well for updates. But uh, yeah, enjoy the build-up and the match itself. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Kathleen Matamy live for us there in Perth. 1pm kickoff Irish times. So just five hours to go until that game gets underway. As Kathleen mentioned there, the uh, Koi Gig pod. We're going to have loads of build-up, by the way, uh, between now and 10 o'clock for the match. Linda Gorman is standing by. Uh, we're going to d- dive deeper into the match with her. Anthony Moyles then around 20 past eight or so, previewing the All-Ireland Senior Football Final between Dublin and Kerry this weekend. We've got Keith Wood at around about 8.50 or so, picking his current World Rugby 15. And Maeve de Burka with more build-up to the match at 10 past nine with Kevin Gaban chatting to her own column here from around half past nine as well. After the break, Linda Gorman in studio. OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball Yes indeed, two minutes past eight on this Wednesday morning's OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show on Off The Ball with myself and Adrian live with you right through until ten o'clock Continuing the build-up now to the Republic of Ireland versus Canada 1pm Irish time kick-off, delighted to say Linda Gorman has joined us back in studio Morning Linda Good morning lads Thanks for hopping in Delighted and to be here You've got the hat with you as well I've never, I've never seen anything like it. It's very but listen, there's quite a few of them over in the um, in in Perth today. I can tell you because right. that was made for by me, for me, for by a friend in, who lives in Sheriff Street. So she's made quite a few of them. So it's roasting on a summer's day. 
Who cares? Who cares? There's, yeah, a, bit, yeah, there's yeah. a bit of work gone into that, Linda. That is not, uh, that's not something you're buying in one of these supermarkets. No. Oh, no, this is hand. It's crocheted. It's over a cap. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, you yeah. know, to give it the effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some people think I'm Mexican, but how ever. Yeah. Today you're definitely Irish, 100%. Uh, are, are you feeling nervous, optimistic? How, how, how's the head for I'm this one? I'm very optimistic right? today. Yeah, really, really feeling good today because of the results that the uh, the Canadians had. Yeah, they haven't been all that impressive, have they, in recent months? Well, I don't think so. I mean, people look at them at, like, coming from the back of having won the Olympics, but mm. I haven't really been impressed with them. And the Nigerians put it up to them, mm. you know. And, and if I'm correct, they have two yellow cards coming into this mm. game. So uh, it's interesting to know who they're going to, what the team lineup will be. You're not feeling that, 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 that they're going to, because we were chatting about it earlier on, that teams can sometimes start off a little bit slowly and work their way in. You're seeing more worrying signs from a Canadian point of view in the lead into this. Yeah, because they absolutely have to get a result. Look, you know, I mean, they're quite ahead of us in the rankings mm. as well. And, I mean, they, they're very disappointed. I would be crazily disappointed mm. not having gotten something out of the last game. So I think, again, the pressure is on them. You know, now we're going to want to show what we can do and we will be cautious but I'm hoping that we will have a little more of an attacking setup. Um, it's a completely different game because the Irish will have done their homework, Vera would have done her homework, and the Canadians would have done their homework. Mm. And of course, they're always going to be trying to match who can we cancel out on the Irish team. Mm. And to be quite honest with you, I think the girls on the Irish team, I mean, if Katie McCabe's going to be targeted, if Denise O'Sullivan's going to be targeted, they have... That, that just suits them down to the ground. They'll come out with something. They'll come out on top mm. because they read the game very well. And another another thing about being um, targeted and trying to play out a game is that you can do things to draw people to release other players just because you are the player that you are. Yeah. You know. So if they could draw two or three players to them if they're on the ball and they're smart enough to release the ball early, we might have the advantage. Mm. Jesse Fleming being back as the playmaker, uh, presumably that's a direct battle with her and Katie McCabe. It's going to be physical, either way. Ah, listen, I love a physical game myself, and it's that, that's what you have to do when you're going out. You have to try and look for the weaknesses, and we all have weaknesses. But Katie's not going to lie down under mm. this one. Absolutely not. There, there are a couple of injury concerns mentioned in the in the papers, which are, have been concerning us all week. I guess Louise Quinn and Heather Payne being the two that I'm talking about. Um, you know, if either of those are to be missing, it's a bit of a blow. Vera Pau isn't a manager, I guess, that, that likes to, to utilise a lot of her squad. So when it gets to the, the second choice, the third choice in a certain position, I guess the the options are limited. Yeah, they are limited, all right. But I, I would pay no attention to anything like that until I see the lineup. Mm. You know, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't speculate because, I mean, sometimes this is a game, a psychological game. You know, the way mm. the Aussies were, um, or the Canadians were talking yesterday and the way the Aussies had been previously, mm-hmm. you know, this type of stuff comes on. But we're well used to that and I hope the girls are not listening to any of that type of stuff. If you're selecting a team, because I, I was watching your post-match uh, with the with um, Shane and Ashling after the last game and you weren't as impressed with Abby Larkin as, as a lot of others. And there's some there's one suggestion in the sun this morning that... Um, Payne may miss out Shiva drops a bit deeper and Larkin comes in is it a straight shoot up between herself and Barrett or how do you lean on that uh, conversation um, well my my um, thoughts when 
Abby came on was that she wasn't sure when she got the ball what she was doing in the first couple of minutes and then one of her passes was quite weak coming across so I don't know whether she was ahead of the girls in terms of her attacking and thinking and they hadn't caught up Mm. or she was just it was just you know because she was smiling coming on you know thrilled to be on whereas I and most people would be just so serious she's young you know but she has some talent Mm. oh she's so good I mean she's she will you know, she will make an impression um, and it's very it's going to be great for us. if We have the likes of her coming on. Um, yeah, it's quite possibly she might go back if pain is injured. But again, we can't really tell. We have to just wait and wait see and because see, yeah. we all thought Vera was going to put on, you know, um, Amber, Amber Barrett, Amber Barrett yeah. you know, and quite a few people were taken aback that she hadn't. So we really don't know what's going on. On Amber Barrett. <laughs> Like it seems to have been a thread since the match, that the opening game. But like we were chatting this morning, there's a very distinct and real possibility that she mightn't play a minute at this at this World Cup, given the way Vera Powell goes about things. Like it, it, we we needed a goal late on against Australia, and she didn't use her then. So presumably she's not going to use her at any stage if we need a goal. She's not her option. Well, you know, I'm sure people will have said to put, uh, Vera, look at. You know, or she's hearing whispers here, there, because she's out in the media. You know, she's going to be hearing whispers. Why are you not putting on Barrett? Mm. I mean, you have to look at what she can give, Barrett can give, in relation to who she's playing against. And I, a lot of us thought that she definitely would put her up to the Aussies and she w- will put her up to the Canadians mm. if she's given the opportunity. I would think, and it would make sense, and the only way I can uh, figure out what, Vera is doing is that the more you play together the more you're synchronised with each other and maybe that's the reason why she's mainly sticking to the same team mm. and the same type of system of play but if you look at the other teams that are playing in the World Cup like the majority have really gone for it they're pushing two and three players forward mm. you know in, in, in a line out so and, and um, you know and it's worked for them it really has worked for them so maybe take a little bit of pressure off the back and maybe push somebody forward so that we always have somebody to aim for if we're in trouble. And if we can't aim for them, like we're looking to play in behind the wingers, mm. you know, so that we can at least have them running on the back feet. Mm. Yeah, it's not her, it's not very Bichette is saying, it's not her style, is it? Like yeah. it'll be a no. departure from the norm. Do, I, Could I just say yeah. that, that it is the departure from the norm and what excited me was that the players seem restricted in their individual talents but when she let loose in the last 15, 20 minutes I mean we could see the players expressing themselves mm. and the stuff that they could do and mm. it was it sort of lifted the game as another gear, that's the way I read it Can I ask you one that's slightly related to that we were talking about it a bit earlier on Vera Powell's comments in the press conference yesterday where she talked about she has to play five of defence because they're good players but they just don't have any pace Um it felt to me to be a slightly unusual comment to be it's 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 a it's not a, a, an incorrect comment right it's i think everybody's aware that we're lacking a bit of pace at the back but to be saying that in the middle of the world cup it felt to me a little bit out of kilter with the general spirit of things well, my my philosophy is the best form of defense is attack and if you can keep the ball away from our players and our players are thinking i got to find you for second touch on the ball or maybe the first touch on the ball, I've got to find somebody, and the players knowing that they're back four may not be fast. 
should be showing for the ball, if nothing else. Mm. Um, I, that's, um, I'm not sure I'd say something like that, you know, mm. uh, because it is sort of obvious, but I wouldn't emphasize it. Mm. But at the same time, our girls can read the game and they can anticipate moves. And that's one thing that we have going for us. And they're very brave. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that Vera Powell is calling for in the back page. A lot of the papers show me guts. Um, she says ha- she wants the players to have the guts to fail. I guess it's got to that point where it is winner takes all. Like, and we need at least a point from this game today. The players know that. So it is all or nothing. If they're ever going to have a massive display, this is this is the biggest game in these players' careers. We said that about the Australia game, but now there's actual jeopardy on the line here. Yeah, have the guts to fail. That's sort of like saying. Um, listen, you can make mistakes. You can make a mistake, but you know, don't be afraid to go for the ball, mm. even if you do make a mistake. Uh, it's all or nothing today. It's a great opportunity. Let's mm. not talk about all or nothing. It's a great opportunity yeah. to um, to get a result out of this, provided we have the right mindset. Individual players have the right mindset. Um, I hope Chief is going to start off today mm-hmm. because she's going to up their game, you know, in terms of she obviously feels terrible after the peno. But when you, when that happens to you, you want to give an extra 10%, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is, is very good for her. And I mean, if I was talking to her, I'd say to her, look, you're very lucky. You're starting your career. Sheridan. Mr. Penno, and she's at the end of her career. She'll never get a chance now, you know, to do mm. this. You know, that's you know. So you have to put that aside and get on with the game and get on with the best that you can do in your area. But you know, there's loads of different things you can do if you're a, if you're a slow player. Mm. You know, you're not fast. Yeah, if you can anticipate passes, you can get close to the player that they can turn. Mm. So it saves you having to chase instead of stepping off, letting them run at you, and then you can't get them. Mm. You know. Yeah. So it's really individuals being able to read their own game in their own area, but also having somebody to get them out of trouble. So, for instance, if I was playing, and I do this all the time, I even do it with the lads, I always say, no, no, stay out, stay out, because I need somebody to play the ball to or an area to play the ball to. I don't want to come back in on top of me. Mm. Mm. You have to play it to your strengths, I guess. The uh, Rubber Ducky saying in the comments, people just can't handle straight talking these days. If the management team came out and said we were amazing and should have won 3-0, would the media be going along with that narrative? That's the other side of it, and we mentioned it earlier, that... These are grown adults, these players. So Vera Powell saying something in a press conference that, you know, they're maybe a little bit slow. Shouldn't really impact them. And not that the players are, are listening to, to the media discussions anywhere, really. Well, maybe they ought to sit in the American dress room because they think that, you know, they're going to win every position. They're so full of confidence, even if they're not. <laughs> um, it doesn't really show in the games. But they're oozing confidence individually. Um, I sh- I wouldn't be saying stuff to the press personally. Mm. You know, I, even even whatever I felt inside, I wouldn't be saying anything. We hammered Trapattoni for it, didn't we? For yeah. like for long enough, with like he kept coming out to say what, he was basically saying, "I'm like I know I'm basically doing these guys a favor because I'm better than they are." And uh, you know, it's not. A, I don't. I, I think it's not a great message to send out in the middle of the World Cup. Listen, I think if we go out and win today. One nil, or we end up drawing it. Everything's going to look stroke. like a masterstroke. <laughs> but um, we'll see. Listen, what, they're going to give their. What going do you think is going to happen? I, I generally don't speculate, and I won't speculate because I don't know what the team is. You know, when I know yeah. what the team is, and I get yeah. a feel for how 
individual players are playing in their position. It only takes about 10, 15 minutes. And then how collectively who they link up with. I get this feeling, yeah, we, we're, we're doing good. But if you have somebody that makes a mistake, particularly in defence, you've now got a player who's got to give half a job to helping somebody else out. Mm. So that stretches mm. us really well. I really hope that we're going to stay compact as we move up the field and we can support the forward players, you know, quickly. And not like some of the games now. I've been watching some of the games and they're, you know, for Japan for me, oh, I just loved watching them. Um, Brazil yesterday, you know, oh, trying to take too much out of the ball. Very clever in the... Oh, in yeah. the, very clever, very calm, very aware in the, you know, who was behind her. But, I mean, and that's showmanship. I'd love yeah. to see that a bit earlier. Yeah. And they obviously have it. And yesterday was the time to show it. But, because um, they're not going to get that type of opportunity. But the Irish girls, going back to our Irish girls, you know, the, 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 Ameri- or the uh, Canadians haven't, haven't, drawn in the last game is going to give such an individual immense lift to the girls because the door is open it might be a jar but at least it's open and the opportunity is there but we've got to take it by you know scoring a goal you have to score a goal where's that going to come from uh, it's hard to know it depends on what she does it's really hard to know Uh, could be Abby Larkin could be could be Amber Barrett off the bench. It could be Amber off the bench. It could be Katie McCabe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know. Directly she, from a corner. Yeah. We'll yeah, take all yeah. three of them, sure. We'll win 3 yeah, 0. Yeah. Have you uh, been watching the other games? Or? Bits and pieces, to yeah. be honest, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been, um, been away, but yeah. Um, Brazilian goal. Sorry, the, the fact, even the fact that England, like England, scraped past Haiti 1 yeah. 0. There's like, definitely been a few odd results. And the, the, watching Brazil the other day, like you were saying, there was the that goal that they scored where they the goal opens up and like. Just banging in the net, but yeah. she chooses to Rolls throw it back, back the way. Yeah. And then yeah. like, oh, but you see what she glass. did when she moved, put, rolled it back? She moved okay. so that you, the, the, the player could just see everything uh, in front yeah, of her. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and even the, the Philippines beating New Zealand as well. There's some shock results. But you know what's, what's good is that the lower-ranked teams are actually outdoing themselves. Mm. You know, mm. they really are. And also for FIFA and, and this a misconception that there's such a huge gap between the top tier and the lower tiers. It's actually closed it quite quickly mm. over the over this yeah. beginning of these few rounds in the World Cup. You're marking the uh, first home game as well. We are, we are, we are. We played first home game in Bluebell's pitch. Fifty years ago. Fifty years ago, and this is the team that. that's played played the famous Anne O'Brien. Who's oh, there yeah. as well, you know. So the current and team on the right and the, the first team on and the, the left. And the first team on the left. And if you think of it, one of the girls, um, Mary Gavin, I think, was only 14. That's 14. 14, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So all these records, you think, that people have done, we haven't really, um, they haven't really delved enough into the history of women's football. And the only way it can be done now, really, is locally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 14. Northern Ireland in Bluebell. No, Northern Ireland, Bluebell's pitch, very generous of them to give, it, to give us the pitch. I mean, you can imagine uh, it's, it wasn't actually like the pitches to play on now. So you had to adjust yourself mm. because the lumps of turf that you had to mm. get over and then the goals and it was in a, a housing estate. It wasn't on the new pitch they have now, yeah, you know, yeah. but that's where everybody played, yeah. you know. So There's 
consistent ACL injuries in the Women's Super League today on the unbelievable carpeted pitches. So I presume back then there were injuries galore. Well, you know, of the 32 players who played in the first four home games in 73, there are less than a handful um, who have any type of injury. Mostly it's just um, knee replacement, yeah, yeah. not ACL. So I'm not really sure, but I do know it's, uh, it, it's got to do with um, puberty and women having bigger hips mm. ratio mm. than men and how it leans on the, the quads and then down into the joints in the knee. Mm. Um, and that's really what the problem yeah. is. But that, that can be addressed by doing particular type of exercises that differ from the guys. Yeah, you know? a, so in our day, because we trained with guys, I'm assuming is that we, I'm a visual learner. So I would look at a guy, say, doing a jump and la- the way he lands. And I want to land the way he lands, mm. which is obviously probably suited me because I never had any knee injuries or mm. anything like that. Know, yeah. Yeah. A lot of us didn't, yeah. you know, when you yeah. think of the 32 squad. And amazing. Yeah, amazing. But then we were doing an awful lot of cross sports as well. This is you it. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different yeah. types of sports. And, uh, uh, for, you know, you have to build up your um, glutes. Mm. Yeah. So we didn't know that at the time, but we did a lot of hill running in training. So that would have been so ideal that for was it. doing yeah. it. So yeah. we, we didn't know that we were doing you know, yeah. job back and front, forth. Yeah. You know you're what I mean? Time oh, normally. listen, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. We were just watching all the other. Well, mostly it was guys and the World Cup teams. Yeah. You know, and how they trained. I mean, I I, I remember telling somebody that I had um, Kevin Healy, who was with Bose. He just opened my eyes to football. Mm. We've all to him to thank for. Um, he said to us, "You you really you really don't know how to run." And I was shocked by that. Mm. So I joined Dublin City Harriers for six weeks. And um, he was so he was so right because I'd heard him one of the World Cups. I think it was either the late 70s or early 80s. I think I think it was the early 80s that the um, the athleticism in the German team who were very successful in, in that era um, was down to the fact that they were getting uh, coaching from. Athletic yeah, yeah, and you know you can see it in some of the players. So they look athletic the yeah. way they run, and then you can see it in other players where they look very heavy on the yeah. lower end. You know, it's mm. it's 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 uh, that's the type of stuff that I look at. Yeah, absolutely, you know? uh, Linda, love the optimism uh, that you've brought to the studio this morning. I'm feeling a little bit better about the about the game now. Uh, enjoy the match, and thanks, Winnie, for having in as always. Brilliant stuff. Okay. Linda Goldman there. Uh, brilliant stuff. And one of the comments coming in as well. Uh, someone says, are people being given extended lunch breaks to catch the whole match at one o'clock? If you're a boss and you are giving your employees an, an extended lunch break, fair play to you. And if you're not, why not? Take a long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> and you still have time to change your mind. Everyone should be getting the chance to watch this match. Uh, if it was in school, if it was in school times, the kids would be watching it. So I think oh, yeah. working employees should be able to watch it as well. Uh, so yeah 100% people should be given that chance 8.22am on this Wednesday morning's O2BAM the sports breakfast show from off the ball myself and Adrian with you uh, up next it's Anthony Moyles previewing the dubs versus Kerry this weekend first though I was chatting yesterday with the legendary Dublin fan Dublin Jerry as part of our All-Ireland final build up here he is talking about icon Stephen Cluxton back in a sec what was going through your head when, when that Cluxton kick was sailing over in 2011 well I wrote a song I never got it uh, I never got anybody to, to bring it out we were over actually the next day after the match you know but uh, the second last the second last third last pair of scores uh, up the pitch looks so ran 
he had a good look at the psalm. He says, that's ours of what the three over. It was just at the debt. 82,000 had our bread. One kick and the ball sailed over. There was hats and flags flying round men and women crying. I seen drunken people suddenly getting sober. Kerry, they were sad. It up so with lad as soon as I heard him was over. Brian Cullen's 14 stone all muscle and bone. He led his team up those famous steps of Croker. And we all knew the last thing he had to do was to lift that Sam Hoy above his shoulders. I missed the presentation. I was in doctor's medication. Three points and I just flipped over. Dr. David Hickey said to me, Dublin Jerry Francis Martin, can't you see? But he's getting drunk. And with the name of Jason he gets over. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, Jesus, that's last. You definitely remember that kick so with a, with, a, with a song like that. Yeah. And a brilliant rendition too, Jerry, to be fair. Yeah, Dublin Jerry there, the Dublin uh, super fan. Uh, what a character. You'll get that full interview up on the YouTube today. And the other bits and bobs I did yesterday I was chatting with Charlie Redmond down at the Ironside Club in, in Finglas. Uh, and others besides Sean Potts as well in his Piper's Corner pub. So uh, loads of Dublin build-up and we'll have Kerry build-up later in the week as well. And on that, Dublin versus Kerry, Anthony Moyles has joined myself and Adrian in the studio. Morning, Anthony, how are things? Morning, Shane. Have you recovered? Recovered. Yes. Fully recovered and recuperated. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm okay. I'm, look, it's a... Uh, the disappointment. Cut, Steve. It's the final that, to be, to be fair, and I, can't, I think even Monaghan and Derry fans who lost the semi-finals can accept this. It is the final that everyone... All the neutrals wanted. Certainly the final that the Dubs and Kerry's, Kerry fans wanted, but um, it's perilously perched, isn't it? It's hard to differentiate between them. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, just nothing happens on the day to kind of take out one of the big players. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd hope that everyone is kind of fit and healthy and ready to go. Um, it is perilously perched. Um, and I keep, you know, I flip-flop during the week uh, whether I think it's going to be a Dublin win or whether I think it's going to be a Kerry win. Um, for all my Kerry supporters out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll watch this morning. Growing I'm still number, growing, I'm, number. growing numbers. I'm still backing them all the way as I have been for the last number of weeks. Big, <laughs> <laughs> big the time. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you I can't quite remember. Yeah, no, I think... Um, you know, it's all about the matchups, really. Um, it's all about the matchups, um, and and that is going to be, I think, the bugler loss for Dublin. If he is out, mm. causes a bit of a headache for Desi. There's no doubt about that, um, because I think he fulfills a role that is quite difficult to f- to fill for Dublin uh, in this current setup, which is um, like. Well, just direct running. Correct. Yeah, it's that direct running from from 11. Um, And I think more so against this Kerry team because of Morley's positioning and the Mm. way he drops back in and he protects that D, um, you do need a direct 11. You need someone who's just willing to go turn and go. So actually, I think, you know, people are calling for Kilkenny. I don't think he'll start Kilkenny. No, I think he'll leave Kilkenny because Kilkenny... You know, I think it's been long kind of discussed about the fact that Kilkenny is is quite lateral at times. Uh, he controls the ball very well. He's very, very good at coming on and 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 basically taking the sting out of a game and being able to control it, being able to kind of work things out. But as far as you know, the first thirty five, forty, forty five minutes where you need someone to take that ball at eleven, as I say, goes to go direct down the gut of Kerry. I think he could switch things around with. I think he tried that with Pascal, and I wouldn't 
wouldn't be surprised. I know Pascal didn't go well the last day, but there's always a bit of a come down after a high. So I wouldn't be surprised if he moved Pascal to 11 right. and tried to get his pace from there. Um, I don't think he'll start Odell, albeit Odell has that pace and he kind of comes on like a McMenamum type figure. So I think I think there's going to be a little bit of deck chair shifting. Mm. Um, but I think ultimately what it'll come down to is... Uh, those matchups, and then that, that the bench, the two benches in the last 10 15 minutes. So, a lot has been said about the Dublin bench. I've been chatting to Kerry people in the last week or so, and maybe some respect hasn't been thrown on the, the Kerry bench in a similar vein to the dubs. Mm. We all know that the, the, the quality you saw it against Monaghan, like the quality coming off that Dublin bench is insane. But Kerry's bench isn't all that, but like even Stephen O'Brien was someone that, that probably people didn't expect much of, but he comes on at half time and changes the game in many ways. Yeah, he was unbelievable the last day. Um, and he did change the game for them. And I think he brought an energy, he brought an enthusiasm, he brought an intensity that just wasn't there in that kind of half-back, half-forward, certainly the half-forward line. Um, so again, Jack O'Connor's sitting there and saying, well, do I start him? You know, And that's a difficult thing to do again because you know Stephen is, is, is probably, you know, he, he, he's, I think he's more of an impact player now. Um, so do you go with Spillane and say, listen, we're just going to go go with a fellow who can just give me everything for 35, 40 minutes um, in around the middle where Dublin are obviously strong. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think it is as strong. I don't think the Kerry bench is as strong as Dublin. You know, I'm, there's no one really on that bench who's scaring the daylights out of me, to be honest with you. Like, you know, Obiugli will probably come on. Yeah. Um, Tony Brosnan will probably come on. And Brosnan has been hit and miss this year. You know, he could do something absolutely brilliant, but, um, you know, he could also just fade into the mm. background as well. And I'm not, re- you know, there's no one else really who's kind of saying to me, wow, that's, that's, that's someone who can really take this game from me. So, you know, O'Brien, uh, there's probably your tr- first three or four subs there. Um, whereas Dublin have to call on potentially... You know, they've got McCaffrey to call on, obviously, who's going to be a bit of a game-breaker in that last 10 minutes. And he's a guy that you just don't want to see. I think what Dublin have managed to do this year is they have really focused on the different stages of the game, within the game, right? So, in other words, they know where they need to be 35, 40 minutes. They then know that left, that first 10 minutes of the second half, who we need to have on the pitch and what we're doing in those first 10 minutes. And then they absolutely know who they want to have on the pitch in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And regardless, I think, if McCaffrey is 100%, because he obviously is fit, they're saying to themselves, no, his, his ability in that last 15 minutes to stretch things and to really open up the game is what we need. And I think that's why they probably hold the Kilkenny back to a certain degree. Um, and then, you know, an Odell is very, very important to him. You see him, he's kind of released him as, and as I said, he's that kind of like minimum figure who will just get the ball and just go at you and stretch you. Um, and then, of course, they've Dean Rock, they've a couple of other guys, they've, they've Murphy to bring on who also can attack from the back. So, I just think they have, I just think they have a stronger bench and I think they have more options off the bench. For all of that, like it feels like Kerry over the last couple of years are a coming force, right? Like they've come mm. and they've proven to do it, and it looks like that group will be around for a little while to come. It's hard to say the same thing about Dublin, even though, like, obviously the changes over the last 12 months, the players that have come back in. Um, Tommy was making the point about on the football pod about the 2019 replay and the, mm. the distinct lack of changes to the 15s now, which is remarkable. Yeah. Normally, there's a good turnaround, and he was saying there was like one or two players on either side. You have the new water boy that they have, and you have all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But it feels like where Kerry are sort of headed in that direction. Is it a bit of a lasting for this Dublin group? Yeah, I think we discussed this the last day. I think it is. I think it is. Like when you when you if you tear potentially, um, Cluxton, McCarty, 
Fitzsimons. Possibly Kilkenny. If you tear that four, mm. McCaffrey, mm. five out of that, that that's, a, that's a very hard five to replace. <laughs> you, know, like, you, know, you, don't, you don't replace that too easily. No. And, and I think the sense has been that it is, it is you know, the number nine. It is, it, it's all of that. It's the history. It's, it's what we can do as a group. Um, I think Farrell has to be given an awful lot of credit for what he doesn't he get done. much, does he? No, like he doesn't. Pat Kilroy comes back in, and I saw Brawley Centre in the week. Yeah. Oh, oh, listen, it's he's he's brought the fizz back. Mm. Like poor old Desi can't yeah, get a break. Exactly. Like he can't get a break. And by the way, if you go back and you roll your, your your memory back to the COVID situation and the whole thing with the training, you know, and you go back to that whole and and end, and then the Cluxton thing. Yeah, I think Desi, I think Desi has earned massively the trust of those players, and I think. It's it's a little bit lazy to kind of say, oh, you know, they're just playing for the nine row. I think they're genuinely playing for Desi. Mm. I think they are genuinely mm. playing for the manager and the management team. And I think they believe in it. I would question if they believed it, you know, a couple of years back. But I think there is an absolute... I think what they've realised is, you know what, this guy has, this guy is a fellow who we can trust and this guy is a, is, is a manager who has actually stood by us. Mm-hmm. Like, he never threw anyone under the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, he took that all on himself that mm-hmm. time, right? The Cluxton thing was completely... He, he basically staged storm about it. Yeah. He said, look, he'll come back when he's ready. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he has never, as I say, he's been... He's had fellas in and out. The McCaffrey thing was well handled. And then the Cluxton thing this year was brilliantly handled, yeah. how he yeah. came back. So I think he has done an absolutely remarkable job. Um, I think he's done a brilliant job to lower expectations coming into this because you know do you remember the, the, the drive for five the da 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 like there was constant talk about all of this whereas it's nearly like a, a sideshow a little bit it's, mm. like a, it's like a sub a sub, a sub story um, so I think he's done a brilliant job and the Gilroy thing whether, whether it was a, a ploy to kind of deflect a bit more attention <laughs> it has worked yeah. you know because as you say everyone's saying oh jeez Pat Gilroy's yeah. Oh, it's, he's the difference. The Marish. You know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 he, but it shows, it shows a lack of ego and stuff as well, obviously, on Desi's part. That, like, I don't mind that, you know, that Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster thing. If we're succeeding, then who cares who gets the credit? Like, mm. Adrian, it's one of the hardest things, I think, uh, in management is the fact that people who can actually go, you know what, here, take the reins a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And to delegate. Yeah. It is, and, and, and it's not even, it is an ego thing to a certain degree. But it's also a control thing, which is a massive, massive factor in it. And it's also a thing of how do I, how will I be perceived by the players if I do this? Mm. You know, if I step back a bit and bring someone else in, do the players look at me as weak now? Do they look at me? So it, there's an awful lot. And by the way, to bring a personality, because to be fair, like Gilroy is a big man yeah. in every respect. Yeah. You know, he, he commands presence. So when he comes into a situation like that, you have to be very careful. I think, I think he's done a really, really good job. And as you say, I don't think he's got the credit for what he's done. Did you hear him on the uh, Free State podcast, the Brawley and Dion Fanning podcast? Oh, I missed that. I heard it was well, very good. Well worth check. I shouldn't be telling people to do podcasts that are not our own. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, it's a great insight into the man. There's one story which you'll definitely appreciate about him uh, yeah. walking into a, into a, the head office of one of the big, uh, big four, big five, whatever the hell they are in New York. Himself and Brawley went down. I'll leave you to, I'll leave you to pick up the story right, there. But okay. it's quite worth uh, <laughs> yeah. Gives you a great insight into yeah, it. Yeah, character. Uh, just looking at the... Like, and Tommy Rooney put this to Jack O'Connor during the week like Dublin have improved on the, that semi-final last year when you look at the team even Evan Comerford was in goals for a start uh, now you have Stephen Cluxton the experience there the the front six for Dublin last year you had Bugler Howard Kilkenny Coslow Rock O'Dell 
So there are slight differences, certainly in variations in that in that six that that will be this this Sunday compared to last year. The Cluxton impact and him not being involved this year and being involved on Sunday, like mm. how how big is that? Because Kerry have to plan differently. Yeah, um, I haven't looked too closely at the kickouts, but I saw, did see someone saying that you know that Monaghan forced him out to his left a lot of mm. times. Which which okay, I I don't think really Cluxton gets too you know. Confused or too worried, too really. Either left, way. right, short. It doesn't. It doesn't phase him, right? He's that type of an individual. Um, process driven, knows what he does. Good shot stopper. Very, very good under the high ball. We know all of those things, but I think he brings a calm as well. I'm not saying Evan Cumberland, by the way, because Evan Cumberland is a top class goalkeeper. Yeah. And by the way, it's all <laughs> for Olo Hanlon, who did uh, unbelievably yeah. well during the league. So there's a there's a there's an absolute kind of uh, you know it's 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 a position where they're where they're richly served, um, but I think he gives that full back line an awful lot of comfort, mm. especially with anything over the top. So you know you can manage to mark from from side by side to out in front. You know that if it's going over the top, he will have absolutely no problem coming to get it, and more than likely he will come and grab it. Right? Yeah. So, you know he plays outfield; he's well able to do all that. Um, his restarts, all those different things. You know, 100%. Um, the lack of goals that have gone in against them this year, they have massively tightened up as a defence. Mm. You know, and their whole idea now, well, predominantly, is that really quick break. Yeah. Now, I think where Derry slightly, if you, if, you, if you go, there's a stark, there's a really, really brilliant, I think if you watch the last five minutes of the first half, Derry Kerry, and the first five minutes, you will actually see a stark difference in the intensity in Derry. It's it's amazing to see. It's kind of it's as if it's as if they said, right, what we're going to do second half is we're we're going to expect a kind of a, you know they're going to come back at us, mm. and they kind of retreated back into their shell a bit. Um, yeah. Now Kerry increased the intensity absolutely, but there wasn't that same kind of it wasn't manic, but there was there was a real pace and a real intensity and a real aggression to that first ter- thirty five minutes from Derry, and especially that last five or ten minutes mm. from Derry. Um, and the McCaig thing, I think, gives you an insight, I think, into how they're going to play Clifford. Because I think Dublin have to bring something slightly different to it. Um, and that is going to be key to obviously Sunday. How do you... How do you There's no point asking how do you mark Clifford. You can't really mark him, but how do Dublin prepare for it? <laughs> how do people collectively? Thankfully, 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 I do not. I remember. I remember we played Kerry in the. I think it was the O seven or I get my. It's that long ago now. Semi final, and I remember having actual like no. I, I genuinely, genuinely, most of the time I used to sleep pretty well before games, <laughs> but I had absolutely. I don't think I slept a wink that night because I was thinking of there was Gooch. There was O'Sullivan, there was uh, Ty Canelli was in that panel. There was obviously, and I was just kind of thinking, who exactly are you going to get, and how do you do it? And that is a horrible when you're faced with a task and you know you're going to be one on one. It's it's there's no hiding place. Um, and McCaig is a man who took it on his shoulders. Uh, he conceded eight or nine or whatever it was. Um, and, it, you know, in hindsight, you probably look back and go, that's not a bad haul, to no. be honest with and you. And he got an early yellow as well. Clifford got him back. But yeah, yeah. I think, I think, and Derry showed it a little bit, and I think Dublin would probably look at it on the video and say, oh, okay. Um, 
you remember a couple of times? Remember Clifford was done for the shoulder. He was mm. back in his defence. He yeah. ended up back in the defence once or twice, maybe more than that. But you know, really impacting the ball because McKay, McKay just decided to go forward. He he just bombed forward and he brought him up with him. That, that's that's you can do that a couple of times if you're one on one, but eventually what the Clifford will nearly let you and he'll just yeah. let someone else tag you I think the only way to pull him back consistently mm. is to change the markers on him so for example Fitzsimons is on him mm. right if the ball breaks then someone else tags with him Davy Bourne and he goes yeah. so he's forcing him all the time so there's confusion as is to well Aiden or Adrian you take you take him if he goes but now it's like oh Davy Byrne's gone who's on him so and I think then what Dublin have to do is they have to reward that guy with the ball when he goes up the pitch in other words that fella has to make an impact when mm. he goes up he can't just jog up or go down the sideline because Clifford will say right. exactly he yeah. has to make an impact when he goes up and by the way they have that with Gannon uh, potentially Merchant Davy Burns well able to go up Fitzsimons is still even well able to go up and impact the ball mm. and I think that's the only way to try to impact because you can't leave him up there okay. and kind of say or else you do what Cork do and they put a plus one in front of him and I don't think Dublin will do that You're not. no I don't think they will I think they'll have Howard back you know, with the idea of, well, I'm going to cover this space off. And I, I think John Small, I don't think John Small will drop off. I think John Small will just, will, will one-on-one on Shawnee O'Shea. And I think he's obviously, he's done pretty well on O'Shea in the past. And I think he'll just say, well, I'm going to take him out. You guys look after him here behind. And I think what they'll probably do is, the Gannon thing could be interesting. I think I think Poddy will obviously demand. So will they, I'd say they'd probably t- talk about Merchant with Poddy and they'll just stick Merchant on him and say, right, you're just following him everywhere yeah. and put him on the back foot. But I think they might do a little bit of a panel on uh, Clifford. More so though when they have the ball, if you get me. Would Kerry not buy Gerarmo for that now? They're, they're going to leave you one on one, and that'll be in rotation. But we and we are going to we're going to concede a couple of points from that because there's going it's going to create yeah. a bit of confusion. But you are going to be one on one, and Clifford will score it whatever way you want. If if he's one on one, I think they will. But I think I think the issue is, and and this is the issue. And Derry obviously looked at this long and hard, as have other teams. When you put when you put that extra man with him. Right, it just opens up the spots for the other players. Yeah. Now, our Kerry, you know, I, I I flipped during the, the Derry game, and I was kind of saying, you know, McCaig needs he needs a dig out here. Yeah. He needs someone yeah. else because it was so evident that obviously it was all about Clifford that day. So you needed somebody else. They had the other matchups okay, but what happens is it's kind of like a, a you know a weed. You, you knock that one down. Next thing, That's the right. other one sprouts up. All, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, but but does like. You know, Ganey, I think, has been kind of blown hot and cold. But is that the fact because he is being marked specifically? And if all of a sudden you decide to rotate his man, that he all of a sudden gets, you know, three or four points and he adds in three or four on top of the seven or eight that Clifford will inevitably get. Now you're at 12 Mm. and they stick a goal in. So I think I think it's 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 kind of you have to say we are going to do a little bit of rotation. Um, I think there's not going to be a whole pile of rotation I think it'll be between Mick Fitz and, and Davy Byrne um, but I think what it'll be is they're going to try to tr- get him as I said on the back foot and get him going forward and I think Kerry will be wary of that because of Dublin's pace coming out of uh, out of defence and funny we had said like, it was Mick Fitz that generally speaking picked Clifford up last year in that semi-final uh, and like we said look if you keep him to 7 or 8 points you're doing well Clifford last year in that semi kicked 6 points Four from play, one free, one mark, which isn't a bad return no. for someone marking David Absolutely. Clifford, I guess. Well, well, I think I think if you keep it in single figures, you're doing well. 
you know, because yeah. well, that's it. Yeah. You know, I think you are because I, I, I look around the rest of the team and I go, are, are the rest of them going to get nine scores? Mm. Do they have yeah, an over get nine points? Is there an overreliance on Clifford and, and O'Shea for, for, from Kerry's perspective? Well, there is, but like I mean, they're two of the best forwards in the country, so I'd take that over line. <laughs> I wouldn't mind thing. having them. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, like you know, one, one of the greatest footballers of all time, you're going to be trying to make use of as best you can. Yeah. They, will Will they be wanting to get? You mentioned about the clean sheet stuff. Is it eight or nine games now? I see John Fogarty every game is tweeting that he's reached such a <laughs> yeah. landmark yeah. of of clean. Will Will they Will that be in their mind that like we'll we'll need a goal here at some point? I think they will, um, because of the way Dublin. Like it's funny, everyone thought the last day Kerry Derry would be a bore fest and would be, you know, and I think we had six goal chances in like the first seven or eight minutes. Like it was just bananas. Um, And it was also due to the pace that people were attacking and the willingness to get in behind. And I think that is a big thing. I think that, look, a lot, you know, Gavin White and also um, uh, O'Shea needs massive credit for what they're doing from a Kerry point of view. You know, they, they, Morley and the rest of these guys keep the house clean and they just get up, up, up front and they cause mayhem mm. as well. OK, so, you know, they can pick off scores, but I think they realise, and of course you have to realise, and this is, I think, is another trap that Derry fell into, where they, where they failed to get the ball to McGuigan in that second half enough. Mm. You know, you could see him crying out sometimes, especially when Lynch came up. Remember, he got blocked two or three times. Um you get the ball to your most dangerous man yeah. and you continue to get the ball to your most dangerous man. Whether he's one man on him, two men on him or three men on him, you get that ball to him because he will make decisions. And Clifford has the awareness, he has the ability and he has the skill set to, to change his mind instantly and to change what he's doing with the ball instantly. So all of a sudden you think, actually, he's going to probably go for his own score and then he's pinging a pass 30 or 40 yards. It It is going to be... I think... Dublin, I think, Adrian, to go back to your point, I think Dublin will never shirk from that type of a challenge. I think for them to say, okay, we're going to put two or three guys beside, I think that would be a slight, nearly a a, a bowing down to Kerry. And I don't think that would be in their psyche coming into this game. You know, I just don't think it would be. Um, And I don't think it's in the psyche of this particular team. So I think they'll say, Mick Fitz, you did a hell of a job on him before. We trust you to do it again. No bother to you. And we'll also give you some... We'll give you a hand when he, when he receives it. Just hold him up that first time and we'll get players What did McManus get, get the last day? He must have got three or four, like, I think, from like play. Fitzsimons, Which is not bad like again. We're talking about a player who's maybe reaching the end of his, uh, his inter-county career. Jesus, like he did, he did a... Good job on him, like probably a five or six overall, including freeze. But like that's again, bad, that's like not that's bad for. Yeah, he did. I, I like. I think Fitzsimons did did a very good job on him. We were talking yeah. about this in that first forty minutes. I thought he blunted him to be to a large degree. I thought from fifty minutes on, McManus really came alive, um, and and I really do. I, you know, I think I think. You know, he has that. He's he, like, look, it's it, an awful lot of the time it's the unseen stuff as a defender, right? Just stuff you don't see in TV where a player looks up to give the pass, and next thing you're reading it, and he has to change his mind to go back. There's, you know, so seven of those, seven times that could happen, 
and then the one ball goes in Clifford gets it and bangs it over the bar and you say geez Mick Fitz is under pressure but he's actually after cutting out six or seven balls so he he is very very good at that you know he is and he's very sticky and he's also a guy that believes in himself and he won't drop the head Um, but acuteness about him as well like you can see him against McManus but there's that disparity in size you need a bit of absolutely And, and, and I think there is obviously that little bit of disparity because you know the Clifford on most defenders will have that will have that edge um, so I think look do they rely on him Pawdy I think Pawdy has has struggled I feel to remove the shackles of a really tight sticky defender yeah. I think he has I think his idea which was probably something where he would drop really deep and that's what sometimes fellas do and then try to get the ball as he meanders back up the pitch fellas are realising that and saying actually we just tag him all the way yeah. we just go with him all the way yeah. so even if he drops back into his own 21 we pick him up there and Merchant will have no issue with that and Merchant will run all day and Merchant will put him under pressure mm-hmm. so I think that kind of if you're raising that one you're kind of saying eh, you know Potty has to now what to do they might just leave Potty inside yeah Sit in say, well, actually, don't worry about it, Potty. You go inside and we'll throw. Because I think Kerry have to throw something different. They can't just say, okay, it's going to be Davy against the rest. Yeah, they yeah. have to give them something mm. different to think about. You know, and, and I don't think you can necessarily do it with Guinea. You can't do it with Spillane, right, or O'Brien. Um, so you need to do it with Shawnee O'Shea, Clifford. Or Shawnee O'Shea or Potty. The they're, they're, your, they're your two boys that you need to throw something different at it. Discipline is going to be important as well. I presume David Goff's role will be heavily uh, weighted as well because of the last of these men appearing at Park and all Ireland final day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, to be fair, but both yeah. German O'Connor, like Kerry and, and German O'Connor and Dublin and Isle Scully, both have black cards in that in their semi-finals as well, which you probably yeah. can't afford either of them to do again this weekend. So it's little silly things, maybe that that. Yeah, it's silly, correct. It's silly things, and and by the way, it's it, it it does put you under massive pressure. We saw, obviously, as you say, O'Connor at the, in in the Derry game, and how much Brendan Rodgers made hay at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's going to be. Uh, you know, I think I think Goff will hopefully let it flow. I, yeah. I really hope he will, yeah. uh, because it needs to be let flow. There's 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 so the game has become so fast and so skillful and so athletic that you know there's no more of these. You know, you just you, there's there's no more dirt, yeah. <laughs> shall we say? You know, <laughs> he oh, says with a twinge, a twinge of regret. there's no presence <laughs> anymore. But you know, you just it's it it, it is happening in in, in 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 you know at massive pace. Um, I think I think his 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 officiating of that Clifford actual. Mm. That will be interesting, yeah. you know, because as a referee, I can imagine you go in and no matter what you say, uh, your your mind is 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 coloured somewhat with the idea that well, I am probably officiating against the greatest player that we've seen, and therefore he will be getting extra, you know, give him something kind of deep, that, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, even though you don't want to keep your eye on it, you're probably watching it a lot. Um, and you know, again, Dublin will probably play a few mind games to try to aid that. But you no, know, look, me and Kerry are well adept at doing that, and, and Derry people would say that McGuigan got a bit of uh, uh, close contact in the last day. Um, but it's yeah, you know, I, I I think the officiating will hopefully balance itself out. I think the free taking and all of that will be a big 
thing and I think Costello has been very very good for Dublin I think he's been one of Dublin's shining lights and you mentioned that team like if you think of a full forward line which I would expect it to be which would be Costello O'Callaghan and Mannion yeah. I think potentially Pascal comes out to that 11 role to create a bit of mayhem that depends if he has trained well and if he hasn't the head hasn't dropped too much in the last few weeks and then I think Scully will retain his spot mm. Um I think he got badly I think he got a, an injury prior to that black card and he just seemed out of sorts and as soon as he came on they whipped him off um, so I think he I think he will retain a spot and I think Howard will be on the other side and yeah. I think that's your six you know and I think they will keep Kilkenny in reserve I could be completely wrong Paddy Small will obviously be there like, there's, a, there's a lot of impact there to come on for Dublin mm. I just feel there's a bit more I, and I think I think if they keep it tight I think that last 10 minutes is going to be where Dublin potentially stretch ahead in a word uh, prediction I was chatting to Mike Frank Russell yesterday and his word back to me was replay so how are you calling it uh, do they even do replays anymore yeah no there'll be no, there's no <laughs> the final only yeah, only yeah. for the final they'll do extra yeah. time yeah. and then uh, CPA put the, put the end to that who <laughs> yeah. uh, by how many points I think Dublin by two Okay, interesting. Thanks. Carry <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll all start the YouTube Yeah, exactly, exactly. DMs are open. DMs are open. There's the call out from Anthony Boyd. Anthony Griffith, as always. Thanks yeah, no for worry. hopping in. 8.50am on this Wednesday morning. It's OTB AM, the sports breakfast showing off the ball. Uh, time to mention, I should mention, last week our own Cameron Hill went out to Abbottstown to quiz James Lowe, Gary Ringrose and Tyke Byrne at the launch of the new Ireland Rugby World Cup kit, the official Ireland Rugby World Cup 2023 kit and new training range, all with thanks to Intersports Elveries official sports retailer partner to the IRFU supporting Irish rugby here is a clip the full chat available on the OTB podcast network across our social channels as well up next Keith Wood and his current rugby world 15 who competes in the Bledis World Cup um, Australia New Zealand correct who has the Heineken Cup Champions Cup the most times who's won it um, Toulouse who kicked the series winning kick for South Africa against the British and Irish Lions in 09 uh, Moira Stein which winger scored twice for South Africa in the 2019 Rugby World Cup final? Colby. Did you help him? Well, I was, was going to guess Colby. You yeah, were going to guess Colby. That's, 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 you got everyone up. right there, no? Yes. How'd I go? Colby Should I just force? Should seven. I just forfeit now? Do you, do you want to forfeit now? <laughs> do you not enjoy the sport? Would I have game? gotten any of those? You would have got yeah, Moira Stein. Yeah, no, so, I, I don't think his name would have come to me. Yeah, there's the lads uh, having a little mini crappy quiz. The RFU uh, launched the new kit. 8.52am on Wednesday morning's OTBM with myself and Adrian right through until 10 o'clock. This morning we'll have plenty more uh, build up to the Republic of Ireland versus Canada with Maeve de Burka uh, shortly. But first it is time to uh, bring in Keith Wood this morning. Morning Keith, how are things? Good morning, gents. How are you? Keeping well. Thanks for for hopping on. We uh, we're always finding new new ways to to stress you out and come up with lists and and uh, numbers and names. But uh, we've this 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 is not an easy one either. But it's your current world fifteen. Was this a stressful one? Yeah, it was a stressful one. I actually am beginning to um, dislike the texts that are coming in from producer Colm on a Tuesday. He's ruining every single Tuesday night for me. I hate lists with a passion. I mean, it's like, you know, you try as you get older to do things that you really like to do. And I'm having to do something I don't like all the time. I, I hate bests of. Um, they just, they give me ire, to be honest. But um but the idea of trying to go through it is kind of, it's interesting. We'll know the truth of it, I think, in a couple of months' time. That's the other part. And that's why this is awkward, because you're just, you're putting your head in the block for, for guys who could, you know, 
gain form, lose form, injured, whatever it is. But and it, like, what are the criteria? The lack of criteria for Cullen is just quite extraordinary. I mean, he, he, he hangs me out to dry pretty much every Wednesday morning. So uh, there's no criteria. It's just a message. Uh, who do you think the best team in the world? Are? Which, is, <laughs> which is bloody awful, actually. There's nothing nice in this at all. So um, I was pretty busy yesterday and it's, I was doing this into the very close to midnight before he sent it over to you. <laughs> There's not a man and in the world. It's still rubbish. It's still, still rubbish. For, for um, all the, for as much as you hate those lists, there's not a man alive who loves a list more than Colm. And, and the less oh, details yeah. you get around it, the better as far as he's concerned. Are you, with these lists, are you, um, are you cosseting yourself away? Are you dropping out a few texts to a couple of old pals? Or how do you go about it? Particularly with a list um, like that, that's like, uh, I mean, it's pretty fraught. Well, it's important not to hang your friends out to out to dry either. But I, I hang my sons out to dry, and um, uh, I, I put them, and, and then of course they got angry with Colin uh, last night. So, um, so he has to be careful when he ever comes down to the Wood household. But um, uh, yeah, it's just it's difficult. He's trying to figure it out, and um, and then you get excited by certain ones, and then you're kind of struggling. It's strange. I struggled. I really struggled in the front row. Um, and that would be my former area of expertise. And um, because in terms of pure standouts, there are there are a lot of really good practitioners. So you could actually pick pretty much any of them. Um, and then you look at the, the back row and you have a multitude of standouts. And so that makes it really, really interesting. So my list is a list of sorts. Let's put it down as more a discussion document than a than a definitive list. And now that's about fifteen caveats I've put in already this morning. But uh, that just shows you how uncomfortable I am with it. So I guess the, in a, in a World Cup you are this close to a World Cup, Keith. There has to be a little bit of uh, shithousery here. You, you don't want to pick too many Irish lads. You want to kind of be a, be a, be a bit like a carry man and play down the chances here. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I try not to do that. I mean, I get caught up in the excitement as everybody else does when we do well, but I try not to. And I think when you're looking at what's a World 15, you're trying to say who are the best players in the world at this moment in time. Now, that could be different from three months ago, and it could be different from three months from now. And uh, it's why I hate lists. So when you when you go and look at these things and you say who are the great players that you've played with or against or who are the great players that you've watched – you can talk about them, but don't put them in order of form because, it, it, the, again, the criteria are so wide. Are they coming back from injury? Or are they not coming back from injury? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, have they enough experience or have they pure youths with no fear? Um, what sort of team are they playing with? Uh, or is that team a winning team? Can you, you can have great players who aren't playing in winning teams. You can have players that are very, very good, when, but when they play with the All Blacks, they win 91% of their matches or whatever it is, you know, so it becomes easier for them. So, um, uh, like, you can back yourself into into psychosis trying to get your head around this entirely. So it's, look, I, I like it for a discussion, but it isn't definitive. That's and that's why I hate lists, you know. Because, but it's it's good for, it's good for fun. The, the I try not to pick Irish players if I don't think they're good enough. Actually, as opposed to trying to say I'm not picking them for shit hosiery and trying to uh, lull people into a false sense of security. I also, you know, I just think there's fun in it too. But uh, fun and a little bit of grief. 
I'm looking at the names, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, Keith, and you're, you're 15, because uh, some, some unbelievable names in here, in fairness. Uh, so, start with the wingers. So, we've got, I think you've got Hugo Keenan. You've got... Keenan fullback. fullback. Sorry, Keenan fullback. fullback, of course. Will Jordan is in there. Yeah. Uh, you have... Sorry, I'm just trying to make sense of this. So, you have I'm Damien Penno, yeah. Penno as well, the Bordeaux wing. It's very hard to make sense of this, because there isn't just 15 names on that list. <laughs> well, some positions are... kind... Uh, not to say look I think if I if I look at Keenan first um, I, there's loads of players that you can put in you can put in Ramos who's been phenomenal um, uh, Barrett at 15 is phenomenal um, I'm just looking at a level of consistency of performance of excellent performance mm. and I think he makes pretty much any list at the moment I, I'm I'm a big fan. He's an unlikely looking rugby player. He's not huge, but his his effectiveness is incredible. So I enjoy I just I enjoy watching him. I'm excited watching him. And maybe that's one of the factors for my list or who are the ones that kind of raise the blood level that say, Wow, he's a guy that you'd want to you'd want to see in a rugby field. Keenan, like I think he he probably has to be in any world fifteen, doesn't he, at the moment, certainly on form and He's timed it perfectly, Keith, as well, hasn't he? Because in a, in a World Cup year, to be reaching these levels of, of his powers is just incredible. It's almost Stockdale 2018. You, you want to be peaking at the right time. Yeah, it's, 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 look, you want to peak all the time. That's yeah. the, I mean, that's, you wouldn't believe how greedy um, sportsmen are for, they want their, um, that sweet spot to, you know, where they're in their zone or things are going right for them. They want to, that, they want that to extend to a career. Um, they don't want it for, for just for a period of time. I just think he has played very, very well. I'm going to be really interested to see how, not just the Irish guys, but actually the Northern Hemisphere guys in particular, how they come out of this World Cup training camps to see how they are, whether they're rejuvenated or whether they're knackered. Because we've seen in times past where 2007, when went to the World Cup with a really good team and they just seemed to have got their training wrong. You know, they came out of it flat. They didn't, um, they didn't quite get to the beat of any of the games, and they they limped out of the World Cup. And it was it was it was a shame for the quality of the team that we had. And um, and you can see even on the last World Cup, it didn't work either. So I'm interested to see what um, what Farrell has managed to do with the the um, with the Irish team. What Borthwick has managed to do with the English team, um, because they were been they've been a bit of a shambles. So, um, and then of course what Galti has done with the French team, because they've been on a high for so much, and their club teams have been on a high. How are they actually going to get to to the level that they want to in their home um, World Cup? So, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued with some of those sort of things. Um, as we work through the team, the one thing about the lists, Keith, is that we'll find in the comments that people are how have they how has he not mentioned X right? And no matter if you were going till tomorrow, you won't have mentioned uh, mm-hmm. the A to Z enough for people. But just in terms, will you talk us through any of the options that you feel are are uh, mention worthy, uh, particularly in relation to the the wings there, uh, other players that might have come into your thinking? Well, look, I've I've Jordan and Penno on the wings, I. <sighs> It was really interesting watching um, watching Penno um, at the end of the season make two mistakes and then be the difference for them winning that championship match. Mm-hmm. I, I I just love the I love the ability of a player that makes a mistake doesn't go into a shell is actually amazing. There's very few people do that. Most when you make a mistake and you'd recommend from a, a psychological point of view, you try and do the next couple of things simply. 
but it's the truly great ones are the ones that make a mistake and then still have the confidence and the skill level and the attention to be able to do something magnificent. Class, so I think yeah. he he offers something amazing. Will Jordan is has been a big loss. He's been injured for a while, lost for um, in New Zealand. Him back gives them a cutting, threatening edge, sort of thinking edge um, from from the back three that they haven't had for for a while and. Um, they always seem to have a couple of those players that are just, just different, like electric pace. Um, so if I was looking at him, I'd be saying he's a guy to watch out for in the World Cup. I think he'll be extraordinary. The uh, in the centre, Keith, you've gone for Lucanio Am, uh, who can also play uh, on the wing, of course, uh, with the Sharks and Jonathan Dante, who uh, of course Raj has um, has spoken about plenty on this show. So that's that's not a bad set of partnership. No, I've look. I, you could have um, you could have Barris, the other Barris, or one of the other Barrets in in the centre as well, because he's now seeming to make uh, twelve his own in New Zealand. Um, of course, you could have Henshaw isn't far away from that at all. Ringrose isn't far away from thirteen. I I, I don't see causes carnage wherever he is, and still has a level of subtlety and. Uh, I think he's he's one of the most influential players. Again, coming back from injury, he's a guy to this is his, he is getting his timing right coming back for it. Um, uh, Lucanio Am uh, for me is I think consistently underrated as a thirteen. He just uh, he kind of gets bypassed because of his subtlety in in um, in a Springbok team, but. He gives them a really good cutting edge. The, the, the speed that they have on the outside are only ever released because of um, of the timing of his pass often. Mm. And so I'm look. I'm a fan of his. And again, he hasn't quite been at the height, but I think he'll be a guy to watch out for for the World Cup. Yeah, and can you am as well? There's talk of Sia uh, Khaleesi is absent at the moment with um, a bit of an injury, but. His name has been mentioned, Lacanyuam, as one of these leaders in that South African panel. I guess that could pick up the captaincy if needed. So clearly, is one of these players that leads as well as uh, as well as does. Yeah, yeah. Look, it looks like it consistently. I mean, I know that there was um, there was a view uh, in past times that Dialende would would have captaincy type material. I don't know that that's ever really come to the fore. Um, but I think if you can have a cool head and uh, Lucania Ham tends to, tends to have that cool head in the field. Number 10, you've gone with another all-black, Richie Moonga. I have just because I, uh, again, I was watching him play. He's had a battle for most of his career to try and get into the, into the 10 jersey and um, Bowden Barrett being pretty incredible, McKenzie being pretty incredible and Moanga. I just watched him play last weekend and this is absolute recency bias. Um, I just thought he really, really managed the game incredibly well, but also took control for some of the longer kicks, which he doesn't ordinarily do. Um, and because they normally they give it to Jordy Barrett because he can bang it over from pretty much anywhere mm. and was nailing everything. I thought he showed a level of control um, and it looks like the All Blacks are getting a sense of control that, um, that they lost for a while. And uh, I thought they were really impressive last week. So, look, it's him. It could be Andre Pollard, who's, you know, injured. Johnny, of course, who has been injured since February. That's one of the reasons he's not in there. Um, 
but uh, I think if you're looking at even the last couple of weeks, um, he showed a level of maturity that um, you know that the All Blacks need actually, because they often rely almost entirely on talent. But you need your ten to have um, that real maturity to to manage the game as much as possible and manage the players around him. And I thought he did that. We're not going to have any debate about nine. So let me ask you just one on that. If you were on that ten, if you're picking a team to start a World Cup final tomorrow in some hypothetical scenario like we're in at the minute, and you're saying it is Moanga over Sexton et al. Yeah, see, that's that's why this whole argument falls down, Adrian, that, and that's why I, it was great to see you a couple of weeks ago. I've now gone off you already, you know. So that, that idea, Adrian, of, I call him now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, of those hypotheticals, um, um, like Moringa is playing really well in in an All Black team. Um, um, I have to say, I think Johnny Sexton could play well in a lot of different teams. But they'd have to be, um, because he tends to make an awful lot more decisions in a game. And I think the way Ireland are set up is it is on your 10 making as many decisions in a game as you possibly can. And and with Johnny making the right decision. But he has five or six options every single time he gets the ball. That's the difference. Um, and I, I, so I think you can drop him in any, anywhere. But that's where this argument kind of falls down. It all depends on the style you're going to play. It all depends on are you going to play a ver- very much a kicking game or, um, a, you know, a running game, whatever it is. So, again, I don't have a proper answer for that. I'm, I'm falling into into the a toilet of words they're trying to it's impossible one to add, that's, and it's because like it's the is X a better player than Y but then also the all the intangibles like leadership it is and experience it's, and it's it's why I'm going to block Cullum from, yeah. from Tuesday texts I think <laughs> that's, that's probably we should all I think we could all learn a lesson learn from that because yeah. yeah. then you have to also think about it. is this a world 15 that would play well together or is this a world 15 based on are they the best in their individual positions but of course Keith Cullum did not make that clear which is which makes your job even more difficult. The five word texts tend to be the norm with Cullum yeah. so we're not talking about uh, clarity in any way. <laughs> Cullum's getting thrown under the bus here. Uh, Richie Moan got a definite a good pick either way he's at number 10 and a lovely try at the end of that game against South Africa recently as well. Time has run perfectly uh, so no one's going to judge you for that one. No one's going to judge you for your uh, choice at number 9 as Adrian said there's probably no point dwelling on it. Antoine Dupont I think is the, the best number 9 in the world. Uh, he, look, he is. It's funny because watching again last weekend, looking at Aaron Smith's display of, I would say, technical brilliance, um, his fitness, over 100 caps, still looks as fresh as a daisy. Um, the quality of his passing is, is phenomenal. His, his fitness, if after Clerk, who was buzzing like a, a swirling dervish for, um, for, for the length of time he was on, um, they're phenomenal, you know, and we're blessed, I think, at the moment with the quality of them. But Dupont just holds out a different, and and it's different as well because, in, in, you know, in France, the the guy who runs the game is a nine; it's not a ten. Mm. So, um, it, you'll often see Dupont take the ball and run backwards. He's trying to figure out what he's going to do, which Galtier used to do twenty years ago, and um, but his strength, his capacity to link his thinking around the game is is just phenomenal so he gets it of course he does zero arguments on uh, on that pick number eight Keith you, you've got not, you've got a choice here so uh, this is a difficult one Caelan Doris or Gregory Aldred 
Well, look, I, actually, the back three I found to be incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, look, I'm Caelan Doris all the way. Um, 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 and I know Jack Conan has done incredibly well. I still think Ireland are a better team with Caelan Doris at eight. Um, uh, you have Aldrit, who I have to say is one of my favorite players. Yeah. I've, I've, um, watching the back row, if you were picking a back row, you'd pick, you, you know, en masse, you'd pick the French back row. You'd pick Aldrich, Olivan, and Chalange. Um, are, they're extraordinary, like they're extraordinary. And, uh, they're, you know, they're a joy to watch in the physicality, but also the skill level. Um, but I think I, like Doris has, at eight, because it just seems to be his more natural position, he seems to have that extra little bit of time to to make his decisions, the extra little bit of space, his feet before contact, his the growth actually in his ability to take a risk with the pass. Um, and then complete the pass. So a lot of everybody can take a risk with a pass falling or under huge uh, mm-hmm. uh, contact, but it's then making certain that it actually works. That's I I I just think he's as good as we've uh, like we've two we've we've um, two guys in the in the pack for me that are as good as we've seen in Ireland. So I I I think that's I think that's very rare to have that anyway. And um, I think that's kind of a joy. So I'd go for him over Aldrich, even though Aldrich's one of my favourite rugby players to watch. Okay. A blind side, you mentioned him already, uh, Olivon, uh, of course, unbelievable for Toulon last year as well. Uh, and open side, again, this is a this I've is a kind decision. of got a bit of a, a bit of a blend of both. So I, I'm not exactly right with it. I've, well, I've gone for Ardi Sevea mm-hmm. in the back row as well with Olivon. Look, Olivon again was injured for a huge period of time came back and reached a level of performance and an extra level of subtlety to Francis um, 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 back row, which I thought was amazing. Um, Ardi Sevea has been one of those dolls you can't knock over, you know, they just kind of rock back up onto their feet. Um, he has, I, I, he's consistently been, you know, the best back row forward in, in New Zealand for about five years. Anthony Jalanch is a name you mentioned is another option there and Josh van der Fleer I guess van der Fleer has been um, like van der Fleer is integral to every single thing that Ireland do he he plays at a really great level of performance um, um, I don't know that he's quite at the same level as he was last year and uh, so I'll be interested to see how he re- reacts to that for this World Cup so and it's not that he has dropped but I think some other guys are bringing more to the more to their game. Um, um, I, I, like I'm like now I'm arguing with myself. I love Van der Flair. I just think he plays he plays brilliantly all the time. So look, we could put a load of Irish guys down here and a load of French guys, yeah. intersperse it with a few um, um, South Africans, and well, that's actually what we've done pretty much. South Africans and a couple of All Blacks. It's, it's a nice it's, mix. It's a nice mix. Yeah. And even in the second row, you've got. Uh, Brody Retallick and I think Evan Etzebeth as your as your final two picks. Yeah, I'm a little I'm I'm a little bit bored myself with that as a, because those guys have been around for quite a while. I love uh, Flamand. Um, I think he's fantastic. I even have Skelton in there because he's been the bane of you know so many teams at, at a club um, perspective. 
Um, I don't think he's quite having that impact at international now that he's back in the Australian in the setup again. Um, I thought Retallick was incredible again last week. Um, and Etzebet is... Do you know what? I, it was, I, he's, a, he's a big guy, mm. but um, I watched him beside Orgy Snyman the other day and he looked almost bigger than Snyman. And Snyman is a giant. And uh, he's... It's... Look, the impact he has and the impact he will have on this World Cup, I think, will be pretty stark. Uh, loose head, Andrew Porter, close, but no cigar. I've, ah, I, like, again, I, I don't know. And maybe this could be part of that shit hosiery or not. <laughs> I think Porter has been very good. He needs to stop giving away penalties. That's one of the important things. And I said I got I struggled when I got to the front row, actually. Mm-hmm. Um um, I like Stephen Kitsoff, though he was always he always came off the bench. Now he seems to be starting far more often. Um, I think he's had a fairly large impact. A good player. I look. There's any that you could go with. Um, um, I went with Kitsoff in this, and I think that could be part of that. Um, uh, you know, let's not pick too many Irish guys. And then, of course, I went with um, Dan Sheehan. And uh, mm-hmm. as hooker, and I didn't go with anybody else. Um, I I think he's I I just think he's phenomenal. So it's and this is a great World Cup. He's at a great age for it. He's got a lot of matches under his belt. Um, he's got a work ethic that's pretty phenomenal. Um, he has got Ronan Kelleher pushing behind him, which you can't understate. Um, that he he's not allowed to rest on his laurels in any way, shape, or form. Um, again, I think his feet and contact are incredible. His speed is incredible. I think this is his World Cup. I uh, sort of watching the rugby of the last few weeks, Keith, and listening to you now over the last 20 minutes, I have a growing sweaty palms and concern over the World Cup where we had sort of uh, collectively reached a decision that, you know, New Zealand were not uh, the New Zealand that we thought they were. And uh, listen to you there and the picks that you have in the team how uh, eloquently you speak about the play- New Zealand players you've included and having watched them over the last couple of weeks I have a growing concern that uh, in a couple of months a few weeks time um, we're going to be reinstalling them as the hot favourites to win the World Cup Well there's a, there's a couple of mad things have we, this, that's an entirely different conversation but um, our bread and butter and what keeps the game alive in Ireland is the Six Nations. And that, mm-hmm. so that is of huge, huge importance. You can't sort of suddenly pick 15 new guys and, and say, let's try and do this entirely differently. And um, we have now built up a level of consistency in Six Nations, which A, is very good for the coffers and keeps the game alive and floating in Ireland, right? So that's a really big thing. Um, it also is a, a, a fantastic uh, annual competition um, that fits into the bleakness of winter and gives people something to support and, uh, you know, live for and all that sort of stuff. It's great for the hotels. It's great for everything, right? So all that stuff is fantastic. Um, but the teams that have been more um, world leaders um, tend to be... Um, England will always do well in the World Cup. They have capacity to do it. Um, Australia do incredibly well in World Cup, even with huge or like not a huge number of players. New Zealand are traditionally in around ninety percent, and they try and peak for World Cups, and they've won a couple. 
and uh, it annoys them that they've only won a couple. Like they're almost embarrassed that they haven't won them all. And that's the standard that they take into it. And they got lots of things. Like they lost their way for a period of time. Um, a lot of players after Carter, like Carter held such a huge influence over New Zealand for so long. Um, I think he papered over a fair bit of cracks in, mm. in the team because he was so brilliant actually and was able to pull the strings when he needed to. And uh, at the end of that, um, I think they've lost their way a little bit. And um, I think there's huge pressure on Foster. I think Joe Schmidt's having a fairly big influence in there in terms of some of the structure that's required. It isn't just down to the, the skills and capabilities of the players. You have to think your way through it an awful lot more. They could rely on their skills for, for so long when they had a guy like Carter at 10. It's become harder for them. So I think they're growing into it and I think they'll be... They'll be phenomenal in the World Cup. Um, it's and their performance in the last couple of weeks have shown a sign to them we have a side to them we haven't seen for two or three years. Now that doesn't mean that the other teams don't know how to unpick them. Mm-hmm. So for me, I can't wait for the World Cup for that reason. But yeah. and then sorry, then you have South Africa. South Africa peak and organize every single thing that they have to achieve in the World Cup. Actually, to achieve in the World Cup and to achieve against New Zealand. That's pretty much the South African way. And uh, um, so I think they'll be fantastic in the World Cup. The, that rounds out your team nicely. Keith, uh, so you had Kits off at Loosehead just ahead of Porter. You had Dan Sheehan, Tucker and Antonio, who we didn't mention as the, uh, the tight head prop as well. Uh, yeah. La Rochelle man. So uh, look, not an easy one. Three Irish names in uh, in Keenan, Doris and Sheehan. I think that tempers the expectations nicely. So con- well done, Keith. Not an easy job. You can block Column now and... Um, and sleep sleep well after that I'll have to sleep well yeah I get a little bit of abuse but that's okay too that's fine so we all do it's great Keith brilliant stuff thanks for hopping on thanks Keith cheers gents great stuff at 9.19am on Wednesday mornings OTBAM the sports breakfast showing off the ball after the break we'll have the former Irish international Maeve de Burka in studio continuing our build up to the Republic of Ireland versus Canada at 1 o'clock Irish time this afternoon first though more from Dublin Jerry and his thoughts on the Dublin Kerry rivalry by the way you can catch my full chats with Dublin Jerry with Charlie Redmond and uh, uh, other bits and bobs from the Dublin camp as well this week in the build-up. Sean Potts as well from the Piper's Corner Pub on the OTB Podcast Network and across our social channels ahead of Sunday's All-Ireland Showdown. Back in a sec. What, what are your memories of uh, the Dublin-Kerry rivalry over the years? I suppose this is another rendition of it this weekend, but, but over the years it's been one that's, even in the mid-80s, those couple of finals that Kerry came on top of, it's always been a, a bitter enough rivalry, and it, it, but, but also a bit of respect there as well. Oh yeah, total respect, yeah. yeah the O'Shea's, the Donahue's, the Gills, I know them all. Great, great to meet them away from Pro Park, have a few points to crack on the banter, you know. But part of the O'Shea and him said, said to me one time, you know, Dublin Jerry boy, you will never win an all a property boy till you beat Kerry in the final. So, 2-11 that night in the border, we came out and bought me a point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another great statement, uh, Hardy said to me, said, you know, Jerry Dub boy, one all in the back pocket is good as ten boy. Another great statement, our great Jimmy Caveney, the great, great Jimmy Caveney, made a great statement years ago, and I still use it to today. It's not the medals at home that draw, it's the people you meet. And, what, and he's 110% correct in making that statement. Yeah, I've met hundreds all over the country, yeah, and remain good friends with them, you know. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show, from off the ball.
Yeah, more build up to the Republic of Ireland versus Canada in the World Cup this afternoon. One o'clock kickoff. Delighted to say, Maeve De Burger, Irish International, joins us in studio. Maeve, good morning. How are things? All good. Yeah, a bit nervous, but. I'm gonna say I was just chatting yeah. during the ad break. There, I'm nervous as well. Like, is that just because the jeopardy is on the line today that it's all kind of come down to this and the dominoes, not to be negative, could come falling down today after such a long build up? That's it. It's going to be a monumental day either way, I think. Um, you know, hopefully for for all good reasons and hopefully they can get a result and keep the work of Dream alive. There's been a bit of smack talk. Maybe not as much smack talk as the, in advance of the Australia game, but, you know, the Canada manager talking about the um, the quality, hoping his team can, can bring out their quality. Felt like a slight dig in terms of the maybe a lack of quality comparatively with Ireland, but... You kind, of, you kind of like to see that sort of thing in a build-up to a game. It, it adds a bit of juice to it. Exactly, yeah. There's definitely a bit of kind of spice before this one. And um, she did mention in the press conference that that it's going to be a bit of two-way traffic. She referred to Ireland as been a horrible team to play against. But then also in turn said, well, you know, it's yeah two-way traffic basically. And that um, Canada are, you know, not the nicest team to play against either. So I think um, it'll be interesting. We only played them once before. So it'll be, that was nearly a decade ago at this stage. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Because they don't score many goals. Like the, the, I guess if Canada had beaten Nigeria 3 or 4 nil, we'd be going into this game with a little bit of trepidation. But the, f- the performance from the Canadians wouldn't have filled their fans full of optimism because they, they really are struggling in the recent games to score goals. They are, and I mean, for a team that's ranked seventh, you know, the pressure is on them and should be have been a relatively, although obviously Australia are there as well, it should have been a relatively easy group. They wouldn't have looked at the group as been been very difficult. So, um, yeah, the, the opening day draw for them was a disappointment. And like I said, the lack of goals is worrying as well. But they have Jessie Fleming coming back and she's kind of like a playmaker. So I think it might change with her introduction maybe to today. Because all the Canadian play, by all accounts, comes through her. So I guess that, that is one excuse for that Nigerian performance. Like, how big is a, is the return of Jesse Fleming? I guess it gives Vera Powell a massive headache that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Yeah, I mean, she also takes penalties and Sinclair missed a penalty in the last game. I'm not saying Jesse would have definitely scored, but she has a good record and she scored um, in the Olympics a couple of penalties and as well in the penalty shootout in the Olympics. So, yeah, it definitely gives um, Vera Powell an added dimension to try to, you know, um, I suppose keep Jesse Fleming under control and that's always going to um, kind of take up then maybe one of our players could be possibly Denise who will end up in maybe in there because she is holding mid at the moment um, or, or Rusha as well so it kind of yeah it's it's just another dimension like I said and it kind of may take away from our game going forward as if we needed anything else to take away from it going forward because we're already limited enough in, in how we do um, attack the games You've been covering a lot of the uh, games may have across the board and like there's been we were chatting to Linda earlier on about like there's been uh, some surprise results obviously and like our own uh, 1-0 against Australia was nearly a surprise almost in itself but is there a bit of a do you think like internally because you can't have tournaments like that where the underdog is causing a lot of upsets and it can be a bit of a um, momentum thing almost with teams that they can kind of tap into that is that um, nonsense from the outside or is there could there be something in that from the Ireland team point of view today in the sense that they're looking around them they're looking at their own performance and thinking whereas this might have been a ludicrous notion a couple of months ago suddenly everything's on the table today yeah and in particular I think Philippines beating um, New Zealand yesterday was a huge result because yeah. that was um, the first time the Deputants scored and, and won so yeah I think in the opening day all all the teams that were at their first World Cup the eight of them all lost so Ireland obviously amongst them so yeah I think um the gaps are definitely closing and um, yeah I think just Philippines yesterday was really um, was definitely a shock result and um, like that Ireland I think they'll be happy if they can pull off another shock result today as well definitely How good is Christine Sinclair? Because like you, you look at her 
still looking to score in her sixth uh, World Cup, which is an unbelievable record. Like her, her numbers are just 190 goals, 324 games, beggars belief. But she's even at 40, she's still a very, very big danger. Yeah, insane, really. Yeah, that that she is operating at that level. You know, at at forty, like you said, it's it's not really um, heard of apart from Martha, I suppose, who's um, who's also you know um, still still operating, albeit as a sub. But um, yeah, I think Sinclair is definitely you know she's a very powerful and, and different player to what they, they'd be used to. But the likes of Louise Quinn and Eva, you know, would be used to that kind of physicality and that. And um, yeah, I. I it's hard to tell what she'll do, but I would expect her to be dropped in, in place of Fleming today. But uh, either way, if she's on the bench, then it's not someone that you want to see coming on the pitch, you know, in the last half an hour or, or however long she gets. But uh, it is, it's a daunting task. But like that, I mean, Ireland have been faced up with a lot of um, technical and um, difficult forwards in the past. So I'm sure they'll be well equipped, like with everything, with video analysis, everything now. They'll know her strengths and their weaknesses to a T. So they'll be able to deal with her, hopefully. We were chatting this morning about um, Vera Power pointing out the lack of pace at the Irish backline, and even after the Australia game against Marissa Shiva, bore the brunt of some of, if not all, of the blame uh, uh, based on that defeat. What do you make of all of that? Like managers making comments, I guess, to the media that that maybe could be done behind closed doors, maybe are being done behind behind closed doors, regardless. But uh, maybe the timing is a bit strange. It is, and I think in the aftermath of you know your opening first game in a World Cup to single out a player as her causing the mistake that resulted in her loss, I think it's uh, unfair. Yet, like you said, to do it um, publicly with the the global audience really watching, it's um, yeah. I don't think just as a manager, I don't think it was done right. I think, like I said, behind closed doors, fair enough. But really, I, I said previously that the situation was that that Marissa isn't a defender, and she was only back there because Katie McCabe had been caught up the pitch, and she ha- she was filling in for for Katie in that spot so you know it's either a case of I think and obviously Vera Powell keeps saying how they need to get Katie up the pitch higher and that well in that case just do it like I don't think you know I think either play her at left back and let her play at left back or, or don't try to have her play um, you know as a left wing and then half the time come back and defend the other half yeah. the time have other players filling in for her you know I think um, you know we saw in the end she she brought on Izzy Atkinson purely to release Katie McCabe you know so I think um, yeah it just she kind of needs to make up her mind about it because obviously yeah we'd all love to have 11 well 10 maybe Katie McCabe's would still probably stick with Courtney and goal but um, you know it's it's just not realistic you just, she can only play one position so um, we just um, like I said we need to try to get the best out of her but similar to Denise O'Sullivan I think she's been held back a lot just to um, so the new American players can or American based players can fill in um, in attack and mid roles whereas Denise would have always played a number 10 spot for Ireland and people say how she's not getting forward as much, but that's obviously now she's playing as a one of the holding mids alongside Rusha Littlejohn. So uh, I do think it takes away a lot from I would say you know arguably our best player that she can't be playing for us in an attacking sense just to to I suppose make space for the new additions. It was interesting, like on that point, the a few weeks ago when the Vera Pau, um, uh US stuff had cropped up again, and Katie McCabe was in one of the press conferences and was like giving a defence of her and was saying that, well, we do have like uh, we do fall out at times and we do end up having rows and stuff, which I was kind of interested about. I presume probably the vast majority of that is about, would you just let me get up the pitch? I presume that that's a major factor for her personally as well, and gets uh, uh, amplified even more when you're at a World Cup and you want to be showing your best stuff 
That's the thing and um, I suppose with Arsenal she might have a bit more freedom to go forward as well and um, they've a lot of versatile players there who can fill in but I think with us you know obviously the defensive structure has always been the priority and um, you know it just I suppose it is it's a bit unfortunate that at the moment we have, you know, I would say our, our best two attacking players, Keith McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan, playing defensive roles. So, you know, we wonder why we're not getting forward as much. But um, I suppose that's a lot of the reason is they're stuck in our own half the whole time. And yeah, from Katie's perspective, you know, she doesn't make any... A lot of people say, you know, the likes of Megan Connolly has often come out saying she doesn't care where she plays, just, you know, as long as she's helping the team. But um, Katie has been quite vocal in that, that she would prefer to be playing yeah. higher up the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not an ideal situation and um, it's just going to be very interesting to see if she makes any changes today. Can I ask one a follow-up to that then? Um, in light of the fact that we know a draw today could be enough won't go into all the details mm. but could be enough to uh, to get us through depending on how things go elsewhere um, we shouldn't expect then given everything that you've just said given that that we're going to be throwing caution to the wind here we should expect that we'll be sitting back early doors see how the game pans out and um, and see where we go from there don't be expecting attack and play from the off here no, I think we'll still park the double-decker bus, you know, like we always do in front of the goal. Um, I don't foresee any yeah, change to that. I think heading, like our ambition seems to be always just, you know, to try to hold out, hold out as long as we can for that nil-all draw. Um, and, you know, it'd be fantastic. I mean, I would be really happy sitting now. I would take a nil-all draw all day to keep us in the tournament and to keep our hopes alive because we can look at then the Nigeria game when it comes around. But it's just, like everyone keeps saying, it's just if we do concede, what happens then? That's mm. that's always the the danger, I suppose, that we're going well and... And Vera even said at half time, if we don't make a mistake, um, you know, we'll we'll get a draw. And I mean, um, you just there's always a chance of making a mistake when you're, especially when you don't have um, possession of the ball for long spells. So, um, yeah, I, d- I don't foresee that we'll we'll do anything different or radical. Maybe in the second half, if things aren't going our way, I think well, we have to throw caution to the wind at that stage. But um, in terms of we we may see personnel changes, but in terms of our structure or the, the tactically the way we play, I think we'll still be sitting deep in that low block like. Um, we don't want to get caught like I said earlier about the lack of mm. um, pace at the back we don't want to get caught high up the pitch and then you know end up in turn then having to chase the game and leaving even more gaps in behind mm. so Even when you see the headlines at the back of the papers as well may have like show me guts Vera Pau, um, you know wanting the players to have the guts to fail as she said in the press conference this week like it, I almost find that so ironic because like, <laughs> have the guts to fail play Katie play Denise a bit higher up bring Amber Barrett off the bench like yeah. Maybe in some way, and this is not intended as a dig to Vera Pau in any in any sense. But if if we are to lose the game one or two nil today, and and, and those two haven't played higher up the pitch, or Amber Barrett hasn't come off the bench, maybe the management are the ones that hadn't the guts to fail. Well, that's the thing, and if she's saying have the guts to fail, it's in direct comparison to what she told the team at half time not to make any mistake. Yeah. You know. Um, like um, yeah, I mean, if you're you're telling people to go out and express themselves, then you're going to make mistakes, particularly um, in the attack and third, because that's how you're going to that's how you open up teams. You have to take chances. Um, if it's all just you know like chess and you know where the next move is going to be, they're never going to um, open up the the defensive um, opposition. You know, so uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an unusual one, I suppose. It's again, it's a lot of mind games. Like really, what's important is what's actually happened with it, within their camp as well, and mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, you know. I'm sure they're going to be as best prepared as possible they've um, a rake of staff there you know you can see and um, they'll, they'll have every like I said every detail 
done and I think sometimes that what's coming out you know outside might be just a bit of noise and it's kind of really how they're preparing and the inside that matters yeah and maybe the emotion of the Australia game which was clear you could see the players smiling in the tunnel coming out and obviously it was a massive moment the national anthem and everything else besides 80,000 seater stadium you're playing the hosts maybe some of that is gone now this, this week which is which could be good today that they can just concentrate on the football the whole occasion is maybe a little quieter yeah, and the crowd as well, you know, there won't be as much of a hype around it. Obviously, the host nation and the opening games, there was just so much um, publicity and buzz around it that, yeah, now they're almost in a little, you know, it's just, for from the outside, it's just another game at the World Cup. It's not a standout game. Obviously, for us, it's a, it's a massive game, so historical in that. But, um, yeah, there's definitely not the same sort of um, hype around it um, on the outside anyway. And um, I think that, that should benefit them, I think, because they can just focus playing 11v11, playing their own game and just seeing um, how they get on rather than kind of worrying about, yeah, the occasion itself. Should get your predictions, May, if Linda Gorman was... Uh was very optimistic earlier, I have to say, without uh, giving us an exact scoreline. She didn't want to speculate in that sense. But uh, how do you see the game, game, the game going? I think it's uh, it's going to be a difficult one. I think, you know, especially when Canada didn't win their first game, I think there's a bit more pressure on them. I, it could have gone to our advantage nearly had Canada won almost um, the first game. So I think... Um, I'm hoping for I'm hoping for a narrow win for Ireland actually um, from a set piece, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, it could be wishful thinking. But at the same time, I mean, it's such a huge game, and I think uh, you can kind of feel that the country's behind them, and I, I hope that they can put on the performance that you know that they're that I suppose get the result that they're and hopefully put on the performance as well. What was your prediction, Adrian? Was it was a draw. One all. One all. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go for 1 0. I won't sit on the fence. I'm going 1 0 as well. Yeah. Yeah. To Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> to Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. So hopefully. Exactly. Fingers crossed the whole country gets behind the team now this afternoon and get a, get a win. Not even a drop. We don't even. I mean, if we're in a position that we're t- talking about the Nigeria game, we're saying, oh, we have to back up the Canada. <laughs> like, I know. Hopefully that's yeah. where we're at. I know. But, uh, and a lunchtime kick off too, so, you know, it's not too bad. A lot of people will be able to tune in. Exactly. It's a great time. Yeah, people yeah. should be able to watch it on their lunch break or whatever else. May have thanks a million for popping in as always. Thanks a lot. Great stuff. Yes. May have the Burke there with us ahead of the Republic of Ireland versus Canada, which, as we said, one o'clock kick off uh, wherever you're watching. I'm sure most of you will be watching that game this afternoon in the World Cup. Cheers, Adrian, for all today as well. Channel. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.